Hey there, everyone. Greg Schutz here for ReadyForTheDraft.com. This is the Ready for the Draft podcast, episode 10 of the 2019 podcast series. Hard to believe we're already into the end of October, but I'll tell you what, if you're a sports fan, this has to be one of your favorite times of year. Why all four major sports are you know really in the swing of things right now. You've got you know, Major League Baseball, the World Series, Red Sox, Dodgers, Red Sox up two games to none, uh, heading to Chavez Ravine. Uh, you've got the NFL, obviously, in full swing, college football. Uh, we'll be talking about week eight here in just a moment. Can't believe it's already week eight. Over half the season already done. What? And then you're also looking at the NBA, NHL. You know, both of those seasons are kicking off. So this is an exciting time if you're a sports fan. And uh, I know I am. I'm enjoying getting to watch all of my teams play. Um, And uh, man, college football, like I said, week eight. And uh, if you got a chance to watch college football uh, this this past weekend, you were, you know, in for a treat. You got to see some teams, uh, you know, two more unbeaten teams go down. Um, obviously, Ohio State was the big one, the number two Buckeyes going into Ross Aid Stadium there in West Lafayette and uh, go down to Purdue 49 20. Um, you know, Purdue, every time Ohio State seemed to be getting back into that, into the game, you know, Purdue just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. You know, uh, after three quarters, you know, Purdue was up. 21 to 6 and uh wound up scoring 28 in the fourth quarter to ice it and boilermakers uh you know they have a chance there you know they're three and one in big 10 play they have a chance uh at the at the west there in in the big 10 to, to challenge for that a big 12 tie or big 10 title uh so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there with purdue obviously ohio state that has to be a, a huge disappointment um you know do they still have a chance at uh at the playoff absolutely but they're gonna have to face michigan we'll be talking about uh the wolverines and uh the way that they just dismantled um dismantled michigan state Wound up only winning 21 to 7, but that wasn't the story. That defense, Chase Winovich, Devin Bush, uh, David Long, Lavert Hill, and, and company, that group, you know, if you're talking looking for a team that might be able to shut down Alabama, or not, I shouldn't say shut down, but slow down Alabama's uh, offense there with Tua uh, Tango Vailoa. Um, it could be that Michigan Wolverine defense. That's the, really the showdown that I would love to see in the playoff. Um, you take Michigan's defense, Don Brown doing an excellent job with that group, uh, taking on Alabama who had their way with, with Tennessee 58, 21, um, you know, all 58 points scored in uh, the first three quarters to a tongue of Iloa, 19 to 29, 306 yards, four touchdowns. Um, you know, it, it wasn't even a contest. He again has yet to play in the fourth quarter. Number one, Alabama Crimson Tide role. Now, I said that there were two unbeaten teams that uh, went down to defeat, and uh, you know, the Bearcats, you know, Luke Fickle, you know, has ties to Ohio State. You know, if you'll remember, uh, he was on Urban Meyer's coaching staff there. Uh, but uh, Luke Fickle, uh, 20th, 20th ranked Bearcats, uh, went into Lincoln Financial Field there 
in uh, Philadelphia. Temple Owls, you know, able to to hand them their first loss, uh, 24-17 in overtime. You know, Temple playing without their their stud running back, uh, Reichel Armstead, and uh, still able to get the job done. We'll talk about that game here in a minute on, uh, you know, the segment that I like to call What I Saw Last Week. That's all 15 games that I was able to watch beginning to end over this past week. You know, I've talked about the the FBS uh, programs, all 130, and that's my goal by the end of the year to watch at least one game for all 130 FBS programs. I'm up to 104. Um, so I'm, I'm working my way, um, through the, through the list. I was able to watch Arkansas state. Um, but hopefully here in the next couple of weeks, there are a lot of games, you know, the Sun Belt. Thank you for having games on, on, uh, on Thursday night. Uh, I'm sorry, on Tuesday night, you know, Wednesday night as well, um, allows me some time to be able to actually watch some of those teams play that I haven't already gotten to see. Looking forward to watching Appalachian state, um, you know, play this weekend as well. Um, so you, you look through th- this past week and, you know, number three Clemson taking on NC state, a battle of the unbeatens. And, uh, you know, I, I, I misspoke when I said that there were only two unbeatens that went down. It's actually three, you know, NC state, uh, number 16, Wolfpack, uh, ranked Wolfpack coming in there to, to Clemson, South Carolina. And, uh, it was a chance for Ryan Finley to prove he belongs in that upper echelon of the quarterbacks, people talking about his arm strength. And, and he, this was a chance for him to prove that his accuracy, his ball placement, his anticipation, throwing his receivers open, that that is really going to be what's going to propel him to the next level. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Clemson, 41 to seven winners. And uh, if you watch Trevor Lawrence throw, I mean, this this kid as a freshman, he's phenomenal. And uh, the arm strength, the ball just zips, you know, just jumps off of his hand. The zip, you know, you could definitely tell you know, the who had the stronger arm. And it really showed when they were throwing the ball to the wide side of the field, it got there in a hurry on a line from from Trevor Lawrence, as opposed to, to Ryan Finley. That ball, you kind of saw these rainbow throws to the outside. DBs were able to make you know make good breaks on the football and, and break up the break up passes. And that's what's going to get Ryan Finley into trouble. You know, he wasn't able to to play in rhythm like you want him to see. You know, want to see from him, and uh, you know that's one of the things that's going to separate him. You know, he had a chance to be considered for the first round. You know, I, I think that there was a legitimate chance. You know, he was throwing for you know 1,621 yards. I was leading the ACC. Um, you know, and again that that ball placement. You know, it, it's one of those things that you just can't teach. Um, you know, with, with the way that he's able to just throw the receivers open, the feel for the game, the feel in the pocket. And, uh, you know, those things are still going to be there for him. But I, I think the first round is pretty much, he can pretty much wave that one goodbye. Um, but, you know, is there a chance that you could be looking at the second or third round? You know, I make an argument that this draft class for the quarterback position is so poor right now. I don't see a first round quarterback. I really don't. Although, you know, we'll talk about here in a minute why I think there will still be a quarterback that will likely be taken in the first round. Um, but it's, you know, it's one of those things to where I look at Ryan Finley. Could he be a second round pick? Absolutely. I think it's more likely that he'll be a third round pick, probably fall around the lines of a, of a Mason Rudolph, who also uh, didn't have a, a top flight arm. Um, so that's why you saw him kind of fall a little bit there in the draft uh, a season ago. But I also wouldn't be surprised if you saw Ryan Finley fall into the fourth round. You know, it's entirely possible based on uh, that lack of overall arm strength. 
Um, but there have been quarterbacks that don't have elite arms that are able to succeed at the next level. It's just, do you want to take a quarterback in the first round when uh, you know he's struggling to get the ball to the wide side of the field? That's an NFL throw that you have to make at the next level. And if those balls are, you know, those rainbows, you know, it's not going to be a DB that's that's batting that pass down. That's going to be a pick six at the next level. So Clemson, once again, you know, winners and uh, move up to number two in the rankings. Uh, LSU, you know, against Mississippi State, they basically turned Mississippi State into a one-dimensional team. Nick Fitzgerald uh, struggling to to run the ball, or I'm struggling to throw the ball. You know, he did run for uh, 131 yards on 23 carries. Uh, the bigger story there, uh, LSU losing Devin White for the first half of the Alabama game, um, you know, due to a, a targeting penalty. You know, it was was there forcible contact? There was contact to the to the head there of, of Nick Fitzgerald, but was it really you know forcible? Was it really you know the the crown of the helmet or what have you? Anytime you hit a quarterback high, you run the risk of of a, of a targeting penalty. And the other thing is is you know I think there need to be there needs to be a, a change there to that a targeting penalty. If you're talking about about targeting and that forcible contact, and and you know where you're looking at it as a you know an egregious foul. That's where you you would say, okay, we want to go ahead and extend this beyond, um, you know, this that second half of the game. You know, taking somebody out, taking someone like Devin Devin White out of the game, you know, that, that's a big enough impact there. I don't think that it was malicious in, in, in any way, and uh, it was almost a glancing blow to the to the head of 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 Nick Fitzgerald. Those are those are plays where I, I don't think. You know, Devin White should be suspended for for the first half of Alabama. That's the way the rule is written. That's what's going to happen. And uh, you know, I think LSU. You know, they're going to. You know, essentially, what'll be interesting is you know, you'll have Greedy Williams on one side. You know that they're going to really be focusing on Christian Fulton on the other side. Um, you know, can they weather the storm there in the first half? That's really where Alabama gets going. If you can hold them and, and you know stay in there um, long enough for. Devin White to take the field there in the second half, then uh, you know that's really going to be what the story is going to be. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, we got a couple of weeks for that game. Uh, Michigan, like I said, twenty-one to seven winners. The number six Wolverines taking down the number twenty-four ranked Michigan State Spartans there in East Lansing, uh, Oklahoma. Rolled over TCU, uh, fifty-two to twenty-seven. You know, we know that Mike Stoops um, was let go. As a defensive coordinator, Ruffin McNeil came in. Didn't see a lot of huge changes, but you also saw a lot of guys that were not playing out of position. That was one of the things I think again, you know, with Mike Stoops leading that defense, you saw a lot of guys that were just they weren't in the right spot. They weren't really reading the plays very well, and uh, you know you saw a lot of big plays as a result of that. Now, granted, at the same time. You know, there were some big plays, you know, against TCU and there were some receivers that were running open. I think that's really something that Kerry Cooks, the defensive backs coach, really has to focus on uh, for the remainder of the season if the Sooners are going to get back to the playoff. You know, that being said, Kyler Murray, again, very efficient, 19 to 24, 213 yards, four touchdowns. The Sooners, they just keep, you know, they keep adding running backs to the mix. Rodney Anderson goes down for the year and, uh, you know, Trey Sermons, you know, uh, battling some some injury as well. 
Um, and, and so what happens? They bring in Kennedy Brooks. Where's this guy come from? You know, all of a sudden, you know, 18 carries, 168 yards, and a, and a touchdown to lead the way there. And then obviously, you know, the receiving core with, with Marquise Brown, C.D. Lamb, um, you know, the Sooners definitely uh, one of the better offenses in the country. Uh, the big question is going to be whether or not Ruffin McNeil can get that defense playing up to par to be able to challenge potentially for a playoff spot. UCF, once again, undefeated, 7-0, taking out East Carolina, 37-10. Um, Golden Knights ranked number 10 in the country. Do they have a legitimate shot at the FBS? I think that schedule of theirs is really what's going to be their downfall when it's all said and done. Uh, Pac-12 after dark, man, Washington State, 25th ranked Cougars, you know, the, the Cougs up there in the Palouse, Pullman, Washington, taking down uh, Oregon. Uh, the, the 12th ranked Ducks were actually down 27 to nothing at the half and made a game of it. You know, they scored 17 in, in the third quarter, uh, 27 to, to 17, and, and just couldn't put everything together. Um, it was one of those things, the time of possession. I think Oregon had maybe had the ball maybe six six minutes in that first half. Washington State just dominating you know that that time of possession. Uh, really, you know the, the best defense for Justin Herbert was just keeping him on the sideline. And uh, Gardner Minshew, I'm going to talk about him here in just a little bit, um, but I think he's kind of solidified himself as as being on the radar um, in this quarterback class. Kentucky. Number 14 Wildcats, 14 to 7 win over Vanderbilt. Um, you know, Benny Snell, once again, you know, 32 carries, 169 yards, and a touchdown, a late score there, able to go ahead and uh, take the, the Wildcats to the victory. Uh, Washington Huskies, Pac 12, another Pac 12 game, 15 ranked Huskies uh, at home, taking out Colorado, uh, 27 to 13. Um, you know, th- this was a game, you know, that I-, I was able to get to watch. So we'll be talking about that here in just a little bit. Um, but uh, Huskies, once again, they're still alive, you know, 4-1 and one in Pac-12 play. You know, it's going to be very interesting what's going to happen there in the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon now has two defeats, um, you know, and-, and Stanford struggling a little bit. So I think what it may end up coming down to is Washington and Washington State uh, in the Apple Cup. That may be what decides who goes on to the Pac-12 title game. Penn State uh, had some troubles there against Indiana. You know, the Hoosiers, they just can't get that signature win over a ranked opponent. Um, they always seem to get close, but just no cigar. Um, and uh, 18th ranked Nittany Lions able to hold off, uh, you know, the the, the Hoosiers. Um, you know, the, the Hoosiers there, you know, 49 seconds to go. You know, they, they completed a 21-yard touchdown pass from, from Peyton Ramsey to, to Jason Harris, and uh, that put it, you know, 33-28, um, but unfortunately you know, un- unable to convert the, the onside kick there. Um, you know, but uh, Penn State, you know, they're, they're still alive, you know, battling through, um, you know, 2-2 two and two in, in Big 12 play, but 5-2 uh, and two overall. Um, you know, we when we talk about the – the Big Ten, then you have to also look at number 19, Iowa. 23 to nothing winners over Maryland. Uh, they're 3 and 1 in, in, in Big Ten play. Um, you know, Nate Stanley didn't really have to do a whole lot in this game. He was just 11 to 22 for, for 86 yards and a touchdown. Um, it was ultimately, you know, when you look at this game, um, you know, Iowa was just, just dominant. 
Um, you know, Anthony Nelson touchdown on a fumble recovery. It was really that that defense that uh, that Iowa has that signature defense for them. Um, when you look at at time of possession, Iowa, you know, forty minutes to just nineteen. So really, you know, dominated it two to one in, in the time of possession. Um, I, I think that really speaks to the the total domination put forth there by uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Kirk Ferentz always has them up to play, especially there in Kinnick. Um, you know, anytime you, you go in there to Iowa City, you know you're going to be uh, up for a, a you know a, a, a big game and a big challenge. Uh, AJ Epinesa, you know, remember that name. Um, you know, he had a sack in in, in the contest. Um, you know, Iowa, I was I, I was going to be a team that uh, you know when it's all said and done there in the Big Ten, I think they're going to have something to say about that Big Ten title game. And uh, you know, I, I think Hawkeye fans are still trying to get people behind the fact that, hey, they're not out of things when, it, when you're talking about the, uh, when you're talking about the playoff. You know, they're, they're six and one, three and one in, uh, in Big Ten play. And you know, they've, they've got you know, some, some heavy hitters left on their schedule. And then obviously if you're facing, you know, you're going into, um, into uh, my computer's messing up here, but if you're going into the the, the Big Ten title game, especially, um, you know Iowa is going to be be a team that uh, you'll have to consider. Let's see, South Florida, you know uh, winners again. You know they're in the American. You know they're now seven and zero. Twenty one twenty one ranked Bulls uh, taking out the Huskies, uh, thirty eight to thirty. Um, you know, Joe, uh, Jordan uh, Cronkite, you know, again, over 100 yards in this game. And uh, Johnny Ford, the other running back, rushed for three touchdowns um, as the Bulls, you know, really looking like they're going to be on a collision course there with UCF uh, before it's all said and done. And then Wisconsin, you know, they're they're five and two now on the year, three and one in Big Ten play, 23 ranked Badgers, you know, beating Illinois 49 to 10. Um, you know, it was one of those things to where, you know, it went from, you know, pretty decent football conditions to we're in a blizzard and, uh, you know, the, the punter, Anthony Lottie, struggling to get the ball uh, beyond 10 yards with, with any of his punts. Um, so that was kind of an interesting game to, to keep an eye on for sure. Um, so when we're looking at this draft class, you know, especially at the quarterback position, um, you know, Bleacher Report and a lot of other pub- publications are talking that Justin Herbert may be coming back for a senior season. Why is that? Especially when you're looking at this draft class and you're saying, you know what, this draft class is not very strong. Why would Justin Herbert want to come back to school? Well, his brother's going to be a freshman there in, in Eugene at, at Oregon um, next year. So Justin Herbert looking at it as, you know, from the standpoint of, you know what, I'd like to be there, uh, with my brother for one season. Um, you know, and I I don't blame him. You know, if I got a chance to, um, you know, go to school with my brother for a year, um, you know, play there in, in Autzen stadium, then absolutely, you know, and so I I don't blame him for that. Um, I think next year's draft, you're going to have him, you're going to have Tua Tongo-Vailoa, you're going to have Dwayne Haskins. Um, you know, I think Justin Herbert, to me, uh, especially if the Giants end up with the number one overall pick, Justin Herbert would have to be 
your consideration for for the first overall pick. Now, here's the deal. The Giants, the Jaguars, you know, your teams, I'm looking at you when I'm talking about teams that need quarterbacks and you're looking at this draft class. What are you going to do with this draft class? You know, now that Justin Herbert is is essentially off the board, I mean, it, it's not official yet, and there's still a chance, especially if he ends up, you know, the, the talk about him potentially being the number one overall pick. Um, you know, it, who knows? You know, maybe he talks to his brother, and maybe things change. You know, but you know, so never you never want to say never with it, but I, I think you know, especially just you know, I have a brother, and if I got a chance to. Uh, you know, go to school, play, play football, and uh, you'll be able to hang out with my brother there. I'd absolutely take that. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, what his decision ultimately is. But if you take Justin Herbert off the board, then who do you have? You You have Ryan Finley, who struggled mightily against Clemson. And then just a week ago, we were talking about how Will Greer struggled against Iowa State in the 30 to 14 loss there to the Cyclones at uh, you know in, in Ames. You had Drew Locke, you know, struggling um, you know uh, just a couple of weeks ago against Alabama. Um, you know, rebounded just a week ago against Memphis, um, getting you know uh, into his groove. But the problem is, is when he plays against top caliber defenses, um, that's where he really struggles. Struggled against Georgia, struggled against Alabama. You know, and that completion percentage still, you know, it bothers me. If if he can't get it up over sixty percent, you know, that's it's kind of the same thing with jo- Josh Allen. You know, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, you know my my feelings about Josh Allen. You know, if you don't have, you know, can't complete 60% of your passes in college, what makes you believe you're going to be able to do that at the next level? I just don't know that that's going to happen. Jarrett Stidham. Here's another guy. He, you know, he struggled, um, you know, in, in Auburn's three losses. And uh, you know what? They... They, they ended up pulling out a, a win against Ole Miss. I didn't think he looked all that great in that game either. He's only a junior, so there's a chance that Jarrett Stidham could come back. Dwayne Haskins, you know, he looked rattled against Purdue. You know, this is, you know, he's uh, another kid. He's only a redshirt sophomore. Um, I think that was only his uh, seventh start of the season. And so if you put that, you know, in, into perspective and you're looking at, at Dwayne Haskins, should he come, you know, come back for his, his junior, redshirt junior season? Absolutely, in my opinion, you know, uh, most of his passes, again, you know, are in the, you know, short to intermediate range, you know, very accurate, though, and he does throw his receivers open, does a great job. Here's the difference between him and Ryan Finley. He has a much stronger arm. Here's the problem, though. When he throws the ball deep, the deep ball accuracy, especially against Purdue, you know, when he was under pressure, you know, that that accuracy went down. It dropped quite a bit, and that's one of the things. I think with his draft class as a whole, a lot of that deep ball accuracy you really worry about, you know, especially when they're under duress. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, a season ago, you know, when you talked about being under duress, those were two guys that were still able to throw the football down the football, you know, down the field. Baker Mayfield, especially, you know, and when you look at that completion percentage, when he had pressure in his face, he was just as accurate as he was with a clean pocket. And, and so that's one of the things, if you're looking at, at this quarterback class, you have to really worry about that. And you have to wonder what, what you're going to do. You know, Daniel Jones out of Duke, you know, he's, he's struggled since coming back from the, the broken clavicle. So to me, I'm looking at Daniel Jones. He needs to come back for, for a senior season. You know, Shea Patterson, he's learning and he's developing in this pro style offense there uh, at, at Michigan. 
but Shea Patterson should come back for a senior season. You know, Nate Stanley, you know, another guy who I think still needs to develop. Um, He's a junior. He should be coming back. So you look at the, that whole quarterback class, what are you going to do? You know, you've got Drew Locke, you know, who I think probably I'll put him at my number one quarterback. If you're the Giants, do you look at Drew Locke and say, you know what, you know, I, I have to have this guy. I'm not satisfied with Eli Manning and, uh, you know, Davis Webb and, and Kyle Loletta behind him. I have to go after him. Um, you know, with the first overall pick, if that's ultimately where we're at. I just, I, I don't see that happening. You look at Drew Locke, I think there's just too much there that, um, you know, he, he needs to work on. You know, I, I think that accuracy is a huge issue, and I, I just don't see him being, um, you know, worthy of a, of a first-round pick. I just don't. You know, if you're going to take him in the first round, I'd probably take him towards the end of round one, um, more than likely, you know, a, a round two pick. At this stage, um, you know, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, though, you may not have a choice. You know, this is a team, you know, the defense is built to win now and you have the weapons on offense. You're just a quarterback away from potentially challenging um, in, in that AFC. So you may not be able to, you know, to 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 do anything there, um, you know, other than potentially consider taking a quarterback, potentially taking uh, Drew Locke, especially when you have Blake Bortles and Cody Kessler uh, as your only two quarterbacks on the roster. Blake Bortles, you know, he signed a three-year, $54 million contract with the Jags. Um, you know, and, and so you're looking at things. He won't be an unrestricted free agent until uh, until 2021. So that's after the 2020 season um, that you'll actually uh, actually see that. So that's, that's something that Jacksonville is really going to have to figure out. What are they going to do? with Blake Bortles. But, you know, if you end up getting rid of Blake Bortles, you know, even if you trade him or you want to bring somebody else in as competition, you know, are you going to bring in another veteran or are you going to look at potentially bringing in, you know, a uh, a, a, a rookie? And, and that may be Drew Locke. And that ultimately may, may be, you know, what we need to start over. We need to make sure that we have a quarterback in that we can lead with this, uh, with this defense or with the, the defense that we have. Look, you know, there's Teddy Bridgewater out there. There are other veterans that you might be able to bring in. And, you know, that's really the big thing that I think the Giants and the Jaguars really should do is you're looking at that 2020 draft class to a Tongo Vailoa, potentially Justin Herbert, Dwayne Haskins. Um, you know, just at the very top of the list. So those three quarterbacks potentially would be that in that 2020 draft class, that's going to be a strong quarterback class, you know, with at least three, you know, talking to, you know, you know, top 10 picks. And if, if Jared Stidham, Nate Stanley, uh, you know, Daniel Jones, Shea Patterson, if they continue to develop, then you could potentially be talking about additional quarterbacks that you could be seeing taken, um, you know, very high in the draft. Of course, you know, you're talking about supply and demand and whether or not uh, there are going to be teams out there looking for for a quarterback. But, uh, you know, again, I can think of two right now. So that's really going to be the, the big issue. What's going to happen? Wh- um, when are teams going to be taking quarterbacks? You know, and, you know, to me, I, I don't see uh, a, a day one quarterback in this draft class. Drew Locke, again, my number one. Probably number two, you know, maybe Will Greer. Um, just, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, you look at the arm strength, 
Um, but man, you know, a lot of the decisions, poor decision making at times. I think he gets a little too confident. Um, I think a little too comfortable with the offense. Ryan Finley still, you know, yes, he has the arm strength. That those are those limitations. But you put him in the right system with that ball placement, with that accuracy, with being able to throw those receivers open, the anticipation with which he throws. You get him into the right offense. I think Ryan Finley can still excel at the next level. So I think you go Locke, Finley, then Greer with the draft class. If you take out all of the underclassmen, I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and just take out all the underclassmen. And uh, you know what? We'll wait until January and, and figure out if any of these underclassmen are going to declare. Uh, it is a weak draft class. And if you're looking at all these junior, you know, I'm looking at my, my top 10 right now. And of the top 10, let's see, only four of them are seniors. So just looking at the, you know, the, the law of large numbers and, and everything else, if I'm one of those junior quarterbacks and I'm kind of teetering, you know, possibly a, a day two pick, maybe I come out because you know what, in, in 2020, maybe I go from a, a day two pick to a late day three pick, just based on the fact that there are going to be so many other, so many more quarterbacks in that 2020 draft class that are going to get drafted. We'll see. So what does that do with this draft class? Obviously Gardner Minshew of Washington state. That's a guy that you have to, if you haven't known the, heard the name before East Carolina transfer, we'll talk about him. Um, when we talk about the Oregon game, um, Clayton Thorson of Northwestern, you know, he's somebody who you know needs to cut down on the interceptions and you know, needs to work on some accuracy. Um, but, uh, a big tough kid, uh, has a lot of tools, a lot of, you know, uh, the physical ability, but uh, I think he's uh, a project at this point. Um, you have two guys, you know, to me, I, I, I lump them in, in together, a uh, couple of very cerebral quarterbacks, guys who are game managers, you know, and, and you say that, you know, it's not a derogatory term by any means, but, you know, they're, they're guys who just get the job done. Um, they don't have the athletic ability that some of these other quarterbacks have, but but again, you know they they're home for a ton of yards and, and um, they just continue to make plays and their teams continue to win and that's Brett Rippon out of Boise State and uh, Jake Browning out of out of Washington two quarterbacks you know what would they be able to start at the next level you know the, the arm strength tells you no but you know it's one of those things too where you talk to to NFL programs and you know are you going to want a guy you know you're definitely going to want a guy on your team who's going to be intelligent, that is going to be another coach out there on the field. And that's exactly what these guys are. So they may not necessarily be starters at the next level, but definitely guys who will be on a roster and, and probably play in the league for um, you know for quite a few years. So I'll get off my soapbox with the quarterback class. Um, but you know it's going to be really interesting over these next couple of months to see exactly what happens with that class. If Justin Herbert comes out, I think that kind of changes things a little bit. If I'm the Giants, I have to really consider, you know, am I really happy with my quarterbacks? Am I happy with Eli? Am I, you know, obviously he's you know nearing the end of his career, and we know how uh, how fans feel about about Eli Manning at this point. But you know, what do you have there with with Davis Webb? You know, you, you drafted Kyle Aletta, um, so maybe that's an indication of really where they're at with Davis Webb. Um, so maybe Justin Herbert's the answer. But if Justin Herbert comes back, if I'm the Giants, I like to bring in a veteran, you know, to to help with that 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 quarterback class or that quarterback room, 
because, you know, it's one of those things, um, you know, it, it, to, to really rely on, on Eli right now, you know, that's, that's really the, the, the big question mark. You know, the bigger issue, obviously, is that offensive line. Saquon Barkley's proven to be one of the top, you know, three or four running backs in the in the league. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. still one of the guys. Um, so Eli Manning, you might be able to get a year or two out of him. I might be able to, you know, kind of uh, weather the storm until you're able to get that, you know, one of those quarterbacks in the the 2020 draft class. Again, I don't know that the Jaguars necessarily have that luxury. Uh, Blake Bortles has been given every opportunity time and time again. And, uh, you know, really at this point, if the Jags want to win now, you know, Blake Bortles is not your answer. Um, so they, they may be a little bit more desperate when they're looking at the quarterback position. So with all of that said, what else are we going to be talking about here? I'm going to be talking a little bit about what I saw last week. We'll actually look at my rankings uh, at the outside and inside linebacker position. Um, and really when we talk about that, you know, you have to think of two, two linebackers. Inside linebacker, Devin White, best inside backer in college football. And Josh Allen, the best outside linebacker in college football. Though Josh Allen is lining up uh, at, at defensive end, um, he's also playing stand-up outside linebacker. And he's the best prospect right now at outside linebacker. Maybe the quickest get-off um, off the line in all of college football, though Florida State's Brian Burns may uh, may have an argument there. Um, so we'll talk about that, and then we'll obviously take a look at the weekend ahead and some of the games to keep an eye on. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into what I saw last week. And we'll start with Arkansas State and and Georgia State. I did mention that I got a chance to to watch that game. Centennial Bank Stadium there in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And, uh, you know, the Red Wolves, 51-35 winners um, over Georgia State. And, uh, you know, when I watched the game, you know, one of the guys that really jumps out to me, and, and I, you know, again this year, just like it was a season ago, Jeff McInnes, they're, they're, tall receiver, 6'6", 206 pounds. I think he does a, you know, runs really good routes, uh, able to separate late um, on his, on his routes. Um, Attacks the ball on the foot, you know, really attacks the ball in the air. Um, Just an intelligent receiver. Um, Excellent body control as well. You know, I'm looking at my notes and I keep talking about how he separates. You know, he's able to separate at the end of his routes. He's able to separate, you know, with the balls down the football field as well. Um, He's, to me, you know, a a guy who could be a pro prospect there for uh, Arkansas State. You know, at quarterback, Justice Hansen, 6'4", 224 pounds. Um, You know, a guy, to me, you know, who's athleticism I think you know he's a better runner than he is a passer right now Um, and really I I thought that he did a pretty good job a season ago Um, this year you know not quite as impressive Um, but uh, you know look Arkansas State they've got a lot of firepower they're up 34 to 7 at the half um, really putting it on Georgia State and a guy to, to think about for next season in terms of a, a slot receiver, a guy who uh, can get vertical, and that's Penny Hart for, for Georgia State. You know, 5'8", 180 pounds, little guy, but, you know, just so explosive. Um, you know, he broke the broke the fifth metatarsal in his foot in, in 2016. Um, 
you know, but just a guy who who can get the job done. You know, he was a first team All Sun Belt League in in 2015 and 2017. Uh, 30 receptions on the year this year, just one touchdown though. But uh, definitely not afraid to go over the middle. Can like I said, can definitely get vertical, and uh, he's a reliable receiver. He always caught a pass in all 34 games that he's played in there. Um, definitely someone that I think we'll be talking about as a potential draft pick next season. So that was on Thursday night. Another Thursday night game was Stanford and Arizona State. Uh, the Cardinal getting the win there in Tempe, 20 to 13. Bryce Love, I think that was one of the stories. You know, again that ankle injury. You know, it's just been a recurring thing. You know, it happened. You know, I had a high ankle sprain last year. He's had this recurring ankle injury again this year. And, uh, you know, at some point that really has to be a concern. Durability. Is he going to be able to hold up? Is his ankle going to hold up? It seemed like every time he gets tackled, that ankle somehow is getting rolled up on again and again. Um, And you hate to see that because this is a guy who is so patient, you know, waiting for his blockers and then is just so explosive. You know, it's it's just one of those things. He just waits, 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 just give him a crease and he's gone. He's shooting right through that. He's got, you know, he's added 10 pounds of muscle. He's now he's fi- up to 5'10", 202 pounds. And uh, that lower body strength, you see it, you know, he's running through arm tackles. He's finishing runs. He's, he's got that leg drive, um, you know, but you see, you know, just the, the the stutter to set up the blocks a lot of times and just put his foot in the ground and, you know, the vision to see those cutback lanes. That's really a big thing um, that, that you see out of Bryce Love. Look, you know, when you talk about receivers in this draft class, you know, a lot of people want to talk about A.J. Brown um, or, uh, you know, Demarcus Lodge even there at, at Ole Miss, um, D.K. Metcalf. You know, with the neck injury, I, I I don't know that he's going to want to come out into the draft. I think he may come back um, for his uh, junior season. Nikhil Harry and and JJ Arcega Whiteside. You know, those were the two two guys that you got to see in this game. And really, JJ Arcega Whiteside got the better of of Harry in this game. Um, Arcega Whiteside, six three, two hundred twenty five pounds. You know, very athletic family. You know, the uh, parents played basketball. Um, you can see the basketball influence in the way that he plays the game and the way that he attacks the football in the air. It's like a, a rebounder back boxing out the, uh, the defender. It's really what he does to the, to the cornerback, seven receptions, 91 yards and a touchdown. Um, he's someone who definitely extends his arms for the ball. Like he's catching a chest pass. He's not going to let that ball get into his body where a defensive back's able to make a play on the football. Um, you know, the, the double move, um, you know, he, he has surprising speed for his size. You know, again, 6'3", 225 pounds, but he's able to separate down the sideline. And, and he's another guy, you know, in terms of that body control, um, you know, someone who who's a, an excellent leaper, high points to football, those 50-50 balls he's going to go ahead and go after. Um, and, you know, I, I think what was really fun to watch was there was a throw to the, to the left side, a uh, quick throw. He makes the catch and uh, turned up field lowered his shoulder and just ran over the corner. I think it was Chase Lucas uh, at the 12-yard line. And uh, then he was hit by the safety, kept that leg drive going to get another four yards. Um, just that physicality um, with which he plays, um, you know, that's really a lot of fun to watch. Now, Nikhil Harry on the other side, another guy who's very explosive. You want to get the ball in his hands and allow him to to make plays. Um, you know, I, I'm really curious to see what he runs because I didn't see as much separation. Um, you know, that, that we saw from J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I think, you know, 
Ortega Whiteside may actually be a little bit faster than Nikhil Harry. But the name to really watch out for from Stanford is Paulson Adebo. 6'1", 185 pounds. And this guy, uh, he, he was in Nikhil Harry's back pocket for most of the game. You know, he'd stay square to, to Harry off the line. Nikhil would, would then cut to the outside on a fade. He was able to get over the top of the route and really attack that football in the air. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that, that you talk about with, with Paulson Adebo was he was a four-star uh, receiver coming out of high school. So you see the ball skills there that really translate to being a cornerback. And uh, you know, he's a name that you're going to be hearing about quite a bit. Um you know, Stanford has put together some some pretty solid cornerbacks. Obviously, most most notable is, is Richard Sherman, and I think Paul Sanadibo is going to be the next guy that uh, people are going to be talking about. Um, you know, Eno Benjamin, the running back at, at ASU, 5'10", 201-pound sophomore, runs with a low pad level. Um, you know, he uh, showed off a, a one-handed catch, you know, extended his right hand for the football and, and uh, you know, was able to secure the ball and then get down the sideline. Very patient to rate for his blocks, burst down the uh, down the field. And uh, he, he's really, I mean, he's not the biggest guy, but he just continues to, to work and continues to run hard. Um, you know, Caden Smith might be the most complete tight end um, in in all of college football. Um, you know, I, I think you know Noah Fant and Irv uh, Smith Jr. Look, Irv Smith Jr. You know, by the way, you know he may be uh, the top tight end when it's all said and done, um, just because of that speed and and the, being a vertical threat. You know, he's a decent blocker. I think Caden Smith might be the best blocker of the of the the group of six or seven tight ends at the top of the draft class, um, but uh, also a, a really you know really reliable uh, pass catching target as well. Um, but uh, you know this is you know really you know it was six to three at the half, so it was a game that. Um, you know, if you're looking for a lot of offense, there really wasn't wasn't a whole lot in this game. Um, you know, Manny Wilkins really you know struggled um, you know with, with some accuracy problems, but he still threw for 353 yards um, in, in the contest. You know, uh, Nikhil Harry eight catches for 91 yards to lead uh, the Sun Devil receivers, uh, but Stanford ultimately walking away with the W there. Um, and then Friday night, you know, Boise State, uh, 56 to 28 winners over Colorado State there on the blue turf, Albertson Stadium. Um, you know, this wasn't a contest. You know, it was 35 to nothing. Um, you know, and then next thing you know, uh, KJ uh, Carter Samuels throws a, a 47 yard pass with just two seconds remaining to Preston Williams. Um, you know, single coverage, and Williams was able to get over the top. Uh, on that, but it was Boise State, you know, just dominating, um, you know, like I said, you know, 30, 35 unanswered to, to start out the game. Brett Rippon showing, you know, he was very, very efficient, very accurate in a clean pocket. Again, you put pressure on him and, and you know, he's having to um, throw when he's not in rhythm. And, and that's where he's going to struggle, especially with that, that arm strength lacking um, a little bit. But, you know, he was you know, 22 of 26, 308 yards, four touchdowns, very efficient day. A.J. Richardson, you know, six receptions, 137 yards, career high for him, two touchdowns, six foot, uh, 200, 209 pounds, uh, showed that he was able to high point the football, 
um, you know, really attacking the football in the air. This was his third hundred yard receiving game of the con- of of the the twenty eighteen season. Um, you know, it shows some pretty good speed as well down the sideline. He's a senior, um, so he's someone that uh, you know could be a, a potential day three pick. Um, Alexander Madison. Look, I had him in my top ten as a running back, and uh, you know it's one of those things to where you know I, I just don't know that he's done enough. You know, as a in his junior season to really get a lot of attention, um, I, I think Matt, Matt uh, Madison is, is someone who definitely needs to come back for a senior season. Um, then you have Preston Williams on, on Colorado State, six four, two hundred ten pounds. Uh, twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen was there with the Vols, and uh, then transferred to Colorado State, uh, sat out twenty seventeen, and uh, you know ultimately played for the Rams in twenty eighteen. Um, you know, he's 52 receptions, fifth in the FBS. He's a big kid, very strong, um, physical after the catch. You know, he makes plays down the football field. You know, he can get vertical, like I was saying in, at the end of the half. And, uh, you know, under underrated route runner, you know, um, especially for a guy his size. Um, you know, Ezra Cleveland, you know, if you don't know who he is, what, you know, tune in and watch some Boise State games. If nothing else, you know, tune in and watch them in their bowl game. 6'6", 309-pound, redshirt sophomore on the le- uh, left tackle. Very light on his feet. You know, This is a guy I'd love to see him come back for his junior season. I think he's someone who has first-round uh, first talent. Uh, the knee bend, you know, the way that he sits down and uh, plays with excellent leverage. You know, Very balanced. Um, physical at the point of attack in the run game, um, just really shoots out of his stance and uh, just drives into the defensive tackle, drives him back. Um, excellent hand placement right underneath the pad level. Excellent you know, job with mirroring. Like I said, he's light on his feet. Uh, he's someone who I think could be um, a first-round pick in next year's draft. Um, again, only a redshirt sophomore, but I think the future's bright for Ezra Cleveland. Duke and Virginia. You know, I hadn't gotten to see either of these teams play. And uh, I walked away very impressed with with the Virginia Cavaliers. There's one guy on that roster that uh, I, I think really made a name for himself, and that's Bryce Hall. You know, five tackles on the day, but three three pass breakups, another interception. Um, you know, in this cornerback class, you know, we're really looking for who's the the third or fourth corner. You know, there's there's Julian Love, a Notre Dame that's in the mix there. Um, you know, potentially um, Amani uh, Aruwarie there at uh, at Penn State. Damon Arnett out of Ohio State. You saw what happened there with Ohio State without him. That secondary got picked on a little bit. You know, Byron Murphy of, of Washington, the redshirt sophomore, who I think needs another year of seasoning, but an excellent, uh, excellent talent. Uh, Chris Boyd of Texas, Kendall Sheffield, one of the fastest players in college football. Um, you know, you look at that that class and overall, um, you know, th- th- there's there. There's position a position to be had, I think, behind Greedy Williams and DeAndre Baker, and I think Bryce Hall really showed his ability to to make plays on the football. You know, the, the ball skills, you know, being able to get his hand in and make a play on the ball. You know, really, what you saw was he was reading the routes. He read an out route, very very good break on the football, um, able to get his you know, drive in, get his hand in, and knock the football away. Um, let's see. You know, bail technique over the top, and uh, you know, receiver ends up running a post, able to go ahead and recover, make a play on the ball as well. You know, in phase with with Jonathan Lloyd, um, able to get his head back, looking for the ball with inside leverage, 
able to haul in the interception. I think Bryce Hall, to me, the ball skills are evident. His ability to to turn and run with the receiver, stay in phase, locate the football, make a play on the ball. Um, he, he has the ability to potentially challenge for, for a first round pick. Um, if not, then he's definitely, you know, by, by day two, um, you know, he'd be off the board if he decides to come out. He's only a junior, 6'1", 200 pounds. Um, definitely a guy who's fun to watch. Um, Juan Thornhill, um, you know, the safety, six foot, 210 pounds. Um, you know, another guy who, you know, we, we knew his ball skills. Um, but, uh, you know, what I was really impressed with was his ability to come down, play in the box. You know, he's a saber back, you know, the strong safety, you know, if you will, there for, for the Virginia Cavaliers. And uh, just watching him knife downhill and, and dropping the running backs in, in the open field for, for no gain um, or for very little gain. Um, you know, that was something that was really impressive. I think he's a guy who has a chance to be a day two pick, maybe an early day three pick, but I think he has the versatility because he's played both corner and safety, um, for Virginia. So there's a good chance that, uh, Juan Thornhill sticks, you know, possibly as a, as a third safety there, um, for an NFL team. And then, um, if you haven't heard of, uh, Olamide, um, Zacchaeus, you will. You know, 5'8", 190 pounds, you know, definitely a guy who you can see in the slot, speed on the perimeter, another guy who's, you know, he's very active, you know, attacking the ball in the air, doesn't wait for the ball to come to him, Um, you know, just so explosive, you know, 200 career receptions, um, second in UVA history, Um, but you just, you know, it's one of those things, every time that ball, you know, gets in his hands, um, he has a chance to take it the distance couple other names for for uva uh jordan ellis the running back you know 510 205 pounds 94 yards per game which is second in the acc really a one cut and go type of runner um but very physical runs behind his pads always seemed to be falling forward um he was injured you know left at the end of the first half and and didn't return um to the game uh chris peace their will linebacker um, a, a guy who I think is versatile, you know, he can, uh, the speed rush. That's really one of the things that you saw. He was beating the left tackle, getting low under the pad level, dipping that inside shoulder, bringing his hips around to really turn and, and turn that corner in a hurry. That's one of the things that you want to see. Do they have those fluid hips? Are they able to get those hips around, you know, really you know, flip them and, and get to that quarterback, turn that corner, or are they going to have to sit there and take some additional steps? You know, those hips a little bit stiff. Um, you know, and, and if that's the case, then, you know, that's going to be a problem when they get to the next level. Chris Peace, you know, a, a guy who I think could be, uh, you know, a sleeper, you know, 6'2", 250 pounds. Um, for Duke, obviously, you know, Joe Giles Harris on the defensive side of the ball, 6'2", 240 pound junior linebacker, um, you know, 50 tackles on the year, 15 last week against Georgia Tech, um, you know, 10 games with 10 plus tackles. Um, that was a stat that they used in the in the broadcast. Uh, but you saw him just playing inside out, um, able to get to the sideline. You know, I thought that he did a really good job on, on the plays, you know, between the tackles sliding to his, uh, to his left wrapped up the running back in the hole. Um, you know, I, I think he was athletic in his back pedal. You know, he doesn't get too high there. Um, just really a guy who can make plays all over the football field. And, uh, he's a team captain, um, you know, it'll just be interesting to see, you know, if he decides that he's going to come back, um, 
to Durham for a senior season. And then Daniel Jones, you know, quarterback with good size, 6'5", 220 pounds. Again, I said, you know, he had that broken clavicle. And, uh, you know, before the injury, he was throwing, you know, nearly completing nearly 75% of his passes um, when he returned um, just 64.5%. You know, so you saw a big drop off there. Um, just didn't look to be very accurate. You know, it was one of those things where he just never really looked all that comfortable. He looked more comfortable running the football than anything else. You know, he finished the day um, 22 of 40, 240 yards, a touchdown, but two interceptions. Um, ran the ball for 37 total yards. Um, you know, that's that, that, that's really the 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 big thing. You know, is, is some of that decision making. You know, being comfortable. Um, I, I think he was a little gun shy in the pocket at times, and uh, so I, I think because of that, that collarbone injury, that that could be an issue. You know, that's something that you know you want to make sure that you don't get injured again. And, uh, you know, it, it might take another year, you know, under his belt before he actually is able to make a difference at the, at the next level. Auburn, you know, they needed to stop the bleeding, went into Vaught Hemingway and uh, took down Ole Miss 31-16. Uh, to 16. Uh, Jared Stidham on, on the day, um, let's see, 15-22, 215 yards and touchdown. Um Auburn look, you know, playing Ole Miss, um, it was that defensive front. Derek Brown, um, it was just a he's he's just a beast. You know, I, I talked about him in his in my rankings, and and he's one of those guys. I'm looking at this class, you know, where do I put him? You know, you, obviously you have Ed Oliver at the top and Dexter Lawrence, so athletic for for his size, 6'5", 340 pounds. Um, can get after the quarterback and plug the run, uh, plug holes in the running game. Um, you know Jeffrey Simmons. We'll talk about him. You know the handwork there. Je- uh, Jerry Tillery, a much improved pass rusher to go along with his ability to to be stout against the run. Draymond Jones, Nick Bosa's gone. Draymond Jones has to be the guy. You see the athleticism there. But Derek Brown, I think he's a different kind of guy because he is so physical. Um, you know the hands are, are just there's so much power in his hands and uh you know the, the the speed to power that you see he's quick off the ball um uses a uses his arm over te- uh, technique quite a bit but you know he's so stout at the point of attack he drives his man into the backfield i talked about that speed to power driving his man into the backfield and gets off that block quickly like i said with that arm over making a play on the football uh derrick brown has a chance to be a top 10 pick i've got him actually sitting at number six on my defensive tackles. And I have to really reconsider that. I'm looking at this group and Jeffrey Simmons, he has some off field issues. Derek Brown might move ahead of him, but you know, then you have Christian Wilkins, you know, and, and what he's been able to do there at Clemson. I got seven guys there at the defensive tackle position and they're just all leaving me, you know, scratching my head. What do I do? You know, at some point somebody's going to drop, who's it going to be, you know, Derek Brown, you know, he, he can affect the game um, there up front, you know, t- absorbing, you know, blockers there in the running game and, uh, you know, can also collapse the pocket, you know, in the, in the passing game. So he's somebody who I think definitely would garner consideration for uh, being a top 20 pick, possibly even as high as the top 10, um, you know, as things continue to go. Uh, Greg Little, the, the the tackle there for Ole Miss, you know, uh, 6'6", 325-pound junior, 
you know, talk about his feet quite a bit. And he's one of those guys, he's so athletic. He can fire so quickly out of his stance. He sets up very well. And, uh, you know, he was able to mirror a lot of the defenders, um, you know, laterally. You know, he uh, played against Big Cat Bryant and, you know, he was juking him all over the field. It looked like the rabbit drill um, at the combine. And he was moving just so fluid with his movements, you know, and, it's kind of frustrating watching him because, you know, he has such long arms and you want to see him sit down and, and, you know, that back straight and and really be able to cover a lot of ground because he is so athletic and light on his feet. But here was the issue. He, he, he wants to bend at his waist and he wants to lean over and that gets him into trouble. It gets him into a lot of trouble. Nick Coe was, was taking advantage of that. Um, getting to the edge as you know Greg Little's leaning into him instead of beating him to the to the spot he wants to lean into him and then what ends up happening is you know Nick Coe is forcing him to open those hips up way too early and then next thing you know Nick Coe's by him you, know, you also saw times in the in the running game where he would bend you know he's leaning at uh, at you know bending at the waist leaning over getting up on his toes and then next thing you know you know uh, the, the defensive end he was able to kind of get off that block. And where's Greg Little going? He's out of control. He's off balance. He's not able to recover that, you know, off of that block. You know, the, the hands and the feet just didn't really match. You know, I, I think that's what a lot of people are saying about him. And I, I would tend to, to agree with that. You know, if you can get him upright, if you can get those hands striking as he's moving those feet, um, then I think, you know, you have something there. And and is he a first-round talent? Yes, um, will he be taken in the first round? He probably should, um, you know, especially considering you know you look at the draft class for the offensive tackles, and uh, you know I, I think it could potentially be anybody's you know anybody's ball game after Jonah Williams. I think Greg Little will still be taken in the first round. I mean, look, Colton Colton Miller for UCLA was taken number fifteen overall. Um, I think Greg Little will probably be somewhere in that range, fifteen to twenty five. Um, but he's got to work on work on uh, on some of his technique. AJ Brown, 6'1", 230 pounds, um, you know, fifty. Let's see, what was that? Fifteen receptions um, on the season. Um, had ten catches, one hundred and fifty-five yards, and a touchdown. Very physical receiver. Um, very difficult to bring down. The leg drive that you see with him. Excellent route runner. Um, so explosive, the quick acceleration. You know, there was a, a a route. He got behind the the zone defense, made the catch, and then as he's running across the field, um, you know, just able to put on the jets and run away from people. He's six one, two hundred and thirty pounds, and he's still running away from guys. You know, what I also was impressed with was the fact that he was blocking out on the edge. You know, whether it was for the running back or for the quarterback, Jordan Taamu. Um, it didn't really matter who it was that he was blocking for, um, but uh, he was very physical as a blocker as well. Uh, Demarcus Lodge, uh, 6'2", 204-pound senior. Um, he's going to get drafted. He'll probably be a day three pick, um, but uh, you know, a, a guy who um, can make plays, you know, attacks the ball in the air. That's one of the things that I really you know, came to appreciate with, with Ole Miss receivers. DK Metcalf was another one, um, you know, Lodge five receptions, 84 yards, there on the on the contest. Um, you know, Jarrett Stidham. You know, like I said, you know, I, I've said before, you know, just feels very robotic. Um, you know, it just seems like he's he's you know 
trying a little too hard at, at times as well. Accuracy issues, you know, especially pushing the football down the field. You know, you just didn't see it. A lot of passes that were sailing. Most of his throws to the perimeter um, were really off target. And, and so I think that's something that, you know, if Jared Stidham, if you're going to be looking at the the NFL, some people have him and they're talking about him being a first round pick. Other people are saying second or third round pick. Look, if, if I'm Jared Stidham, I, I don't know that I would consider coming in, you know, coming out after this season. Not the best, um, you know, tape that I want to put together. Um, he's got some things that he's got to clean up. You know, he's got to be able to work on that accuracy, that decision, you know, some of that decision making as well. Um, he holds on to the ball way too long in the pocket at times. And, uh, you know, his eyes will drift down to, uh, to the pressure, you know, a, a little bit and he'll look to run, you know, um, or, you know, if he's, he'll try to do too much. If he does, you know, try to look, look down the field as opposed to getting rid of the football, he's going to sit there and, and hold on to the ball and hold on to the ball and, you may end up taking a sack. Um, so that's really, a, you know, going to be an interesting you know, dynamic. What's going to happen with, with Jared Stidham at the end of the season. Cincinnati Bearcats, like I said, against Temple, you know, their first defeat. Temple Owls getting the win. Um, you know, really the, you know, the, the, the big story here. Um, you know, it was, it was an overtime win. For, for for Temple um, getting the W, um, you know, but what I would say, you know, with, with Cincinnati, they've got a couple of defensive tackles who are going to be playing at the next level. And I, I think they're underrated um, in this draft class. There are a lot of other people that people are talking, you know, that uh, a lot of other prospects that people are talking about. But Cortez Broughton and Marquise Copeland um, have really, you know, set themselves apart um, as, as draft prospects. You know, I, I think these are two guys that, especially Cortez Broughton, what he's been able to do this year. Um, you know, he had a had a slow, you know, 20, 2017 after really getting out as uh, in twenty sixteen had a great year there. Um, you know, just so active. You know, one point seven tackles for loss per game. You know, is tied for fourteenth in the FBS. Um, 11 tackles for loss and five sacks, um, you know, second in, in the American conference in sacks, you know, started seeing double teams, you know, midway through the, through the game, uh, does a really good job working through blocks. Um, you know, I thought that he had very good balance to avoid a cut block and then, uh, got his hand up to knock a pass down, um, very low off the snap, you know, shoots the gaps, dropping the running back behind the line of scrimmage can collapse the pocket from the inside as well. Um, you know, shooting the a gap with with a quick burst off the ball and then uh, marquise copeland you know showed a showed a really good job pursuing the running back down the line you know a very active and and athletic defensive tackle um two guys that i think will be playing on sunday let's see who else do we have you know they, there's a kobe bryant and not the not the laker kobe bryant but he was actually named after kobe's spells his first name c-o-b-y uh, Bryant, he's a 6'1", 190-pound sophomore, had three pass breakups in this game and was just in phase with the receivers and uh, showed excellent ball skills, um, you know, just had a knack for going after that football, um, you know, and just really in phase. I think that was really the biggest thing is right on that receiver's hip, not really allowing any separation um, and attacking the football while it was in the air. It was really impressive to see. 
you know, and then obviously when you're talking about Cincinnati, you know, you have to be talking about Mike Warren, five uh, eleven, two hundred eighteen pound sophomore, um, three straight games with with a hundred yards. Um, first first player at, at at Cincinnati to do that since Isaiah Pede in two thousand ten, um, but just a guy they they call him the truck, and uh, you know there's there's a reason for it. I mean this guy is just like a bowling ball between the tackles. Um, you know, does a good job though with, with some of his lateral cuts. He'll press the line of scrimmage, you know, the lateral cut towards the linebacker in the in the backfield. Um, you know, then then sets up the running back. I'm sorry, the defensive back at, at the second level. Um, able to bounce it outside, speed to the end zone on a 24-yard touchdown. Um, you know, just strong to run through that first tackle. Um, you know, you got to swarm him so we really can't get going. If he gets that head of steam going, gets those pads square to the line of scrimmage, watch out. Uh, let's see what else do we have. That Oklahoma game, you know, against TCU, 52 to, t- uh, to 27. Kyler Murray, once again, you know what? This is a guy who should be invited to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I think it's ultimately Tua's trophy to, to win, but Kyler could definitely be in consideration as the runner up. Um, you know, another very efficient day, you know, along with the, the 213 yards and four touchdowns, uh, carried the ball nine times for 51 yards. If you're talking about, um, the, the, the draft class, when we're looking at this, you know, Marquise Brown, um, just so dynamic in the open field, you know, 5'10", 168 pounds, not the biggest guy, very slight, um, but, uh, has been pretty durable for the most part. Um, the very quick acceleration um, gets up to full speed in a hurry, and uh, you know he's someone who just he attacks the ball and he's a threat to go the distance. You know anytime he gets the football, you know ran a slant um, and you know, would fight for extra yards after contact. I think that's one of the things that really stands out when you watch him play um, is, is that physicality with, with, with um, you know <clears throat> that he plays with, and then uh, Ty Summers. You know, the, the inside linebacker, 6'2", 235 pounds. This is a guy who was also playing defensive end um, for the Horn Frogs. But, you know, the instincts um, are, are definitely theirs. So, you know, scraping over the top, taking on the uh, the running back on the edge, dropping him for no gain. Showed pretty good lateral lateral movement, um, you know, to ultimately drop Trey Sermon um, as he was trying to get to the outside. Um Swing pass to the running back. You know he was able to get to the to the perimeter to get the hit on the running back after the catch. To me, Ty Summers underrated. People aren't really talking about him too much. Ten tackles, and uh, you know tackle behind the line of scrimmage. Um, he's a guy to me. I think will be a day three pick, but a guy. He's just a football player. He's a good player, and uh, um, I look forward to seeing what he can what he can do in uh, in the postseason and then also in the pre draft workouts. Um, ben Banagu, um, there for TCU, 6'4", 249 pounds, you know, read the quarterback rollout on a play, uh, to the right, you know, unable to trip up, uh, Kyle Murphy or Kyle, I'm sorry, Kyler Murray, uh, when he was diving, uh, dough for, dough for him. And, you know, rather than try to square him up and, uh, you know, be under control, he was, you know, making these diving moves. Um, you know, I thought he did a good job staying, staying at home backside on an end around by, by CD lamb. Forced him inside. Um, speed to, to shoot the gap. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, Banigou, he gets in there. He's under control. 
or I'm sorry, out of control. And, uh, you know, Kyler Murray was making a miss. Um, you know, he just hasn't been as productive this season as he was a season ago when I think he had, what, 13 and a half sacks in his first year with uh, with the Horn Frogs. Um, OU has, has a couple of linemen that are going to get drafted in, in uh, this next year's draft. Um, you know, Ben Powers, 6'4", 313-pound um, left guard. You saw him pulling, you know, time after time. You know, locating Banigou, um coming off the edge, picked him up, and able to uh, to plan him so they was unable to get to the get to the running back. Um, you know, very tight turns on on his pulls too. Um, I, I thought that was one of the things that you saw. He, you know, he shot through the A gap on one pull, got to the middle linebacker, was able to help uh, spring Kennedy Brooks for a huge gain. Um, and then Drew Samia, I think he's kind of the nastier of the two. You know, I think Powers is, is very athletic. Um, not to say that Drew Samia is not, but, you know, 6'5", 303 pounds, uh, plays with excellent leverage, firing off the ball, getting underneath the defensive tackle's pad level, and then generating movement. You know, you see him generating that movement, locking on to that defensive tackle, and then he knows what to do at the end, finishing guys, planning them, you know, plays with a little bit of a mean streak. You definitely like to see that. Uh, Sooners once again victorious, and uh, they'll see. You know, we'll see if they can they can keep things going, keep the momentum going. Um, Michigan, you know, I you know I said twenty one seven winners over the Spartans. That defense that I talked about um, held Brian Lewerke to just five of twenty five passing for sixty six yards. Um, just a dominating performance overall for uh, for Don Brown's defense. And it was one of those things, like I said, it was just definitely impressive. You know, this was um, a Big Ten game. You know, it was hailing during the game. You know, if you can believe that, these guys were out there um, playing in the hail. Um, You know, I think that's one of the things that made it really fun to watch, actually. Probably wasn't a whole lot of fun to to watch there in the stands. But, uh, you know, Devin Bush at the beginning of the game, there he was, you know, know, digging into that that, uh, Spartan head there at the at the 50 yard line the pregame uh, was really trying to dig up the turf there but uh, out on the football field this guy you know he's a leader on the field always knows where the football is going to be making plays sideline to sideline um you know very quick laterally you know there there were holes that looked like they were developing getting to the outside and and Devin Bush would shut it down and close the door in a hurry um Let's see, came up, you know, reading my notes here, you know, came up to the line late, um, then blitzed through the, um, blitzed through the grab, through the gap, dropped, uh, dropped the backup quarterback Lombardi um, for a loss with a minute 51 to play up 21 to seven. Um, Just a guy who, you know, when you need a big play, he's the guy that that you're going to rely on. We'll talk about him here in just a sec when we're talking about the inside linebackers. To me, he's the guy that has to garner consideration as a late round, uh, late first round pick. Um, Michigan State up front, Raekwon Williams, you know, 6'4", 300 pound junior, saw frequent double teams. You know, he reminded you a little bit of Malik McDowell, you know, when uh, McDowell was making some of these splash plays. Because Raekwon Williams, you know, the bull rush to just drive his man back into the backfield. Um, so disruptive, you know, with that. Um, you know, just the, the the quick penetration, you know, the burst off the football, um, attacking, you know, what he really did was he was attacking half a man, you know, um, Ben Bredesen, Got skinny, shooting through the A-gap, 
um, forced the running back back another four yards, and then ultimately, um, you know, the the defensive end Jack Camper was able to drop him for a loss of one. But that was really a play that was affected by Raquan Williams in that early penetration. Um, you know, just a very athletic play. You know, able to get skinny getting through that hole. Um, you know, David Long, you know, the corner, 5'11", 198 pounds. Is he going to enter the draft? You know, that's going to be a, a, a big question mark, I think. Um, but uh, it was one of those things. He, you know, he got beat a couple of times. You know, he was playing against uh, against Daryl Stewart, but was very physical off the line with jamming the receivers, getting in phase, turning with the receiver. Um, and, and he's... But you know there there were times where the corners would would get inside of him, you know, especially on a lot of the slants, and uh, you know so he did give up a few a few passes. But uh, he's a guy who's just going to come out there and compete. Another guy who's going to compete is Kelly uh, Kenny Willickis, uh, the six four, two hundred fifty pound junior defensive end. This is a guy who just always seemed to be um, you know getting to the edge, um, taking on the the right tackle, uh, Juwan Bushel Beatty getting leverage, dipping that inside shoulder, using his hands to get off the block, getting in on a sack, um, very disruptive, coming off the edge. Um, you know, speed to power, you saw a lot of that as well. Uh, Felton Davis, you know, a receiver for the Spartans, 6'4", 200-pound junior, um, you know, came in motion, and then, you know, you just kind of saw his ankle buckle Turns out he tore his Achilles, and, and it was one of those things. It wasn't even a you know non-contact play, and uh, just went down in a heap. And turned out it was his it was Achilles that went. Um, you know, and and you know Michigan. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Chase Winovich. This is a guy who just continues to work. Uses his hands, has the power as well to to push the right tackle back. Kept shoving him all the way back into the quarterback comes off the block, gets inside to the quarterback, um, you know, and, and, you know, so the, the speed, the power is evident The the, the motor, you know, he never stops working, never stops, uh, getting to the quarterback, um, you know, gets into the chest of the left tackle, drove him back with the bull rush. Like I said, getting that, that leverage plays with, with excellent leverage, bends very well, turning the corner, um, on, on the speed rushes as well. Um, to me, you know, Chase Winovich, uh, is a guy who's really played his way into possible consideration for the first round, and if not, then definitely um, early day two. Uh, Clemson and, and NC State, I talked about Ryan Finley and, and where he, he kind of went wrong. Kelvin Harmon, I, I moved him into my top five for the receivers, and, and he had a, you know, not only did Ryan Finley struggle, but Kelvin Harmon definitely struggled as well. Um you know, it's two receptions, 13 yards. Um, ran an excellent route on a hitch and go. Uh, beat AJ Terrell, got behind, you know, the safety as well. Ball hits him in the hands and he drops it. You know, and he's a guy who also lets the ball get into his body a lot. A lot of body catching uh, going on there. And, you know, I, I think that's something that, you know, he, he definitely struggles with. And that's something that he's going to really have to watch out for. Um, you know, and... Until he works on catching the football consistently with his hands, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to have to probably come back for, uh, for a senior season. Although I don't know that he will. Christian Wilkins talked about him. You know, beat. You know, he was just beating the right tackle. Um, you know, they were slanting to the left, beat him with quickness, and uh, got to the quarterback. 
um, you know, and and dropped him for a loss. Uh, 31 and a half tackles for loss in his career, 12 sacks. Um, used the arm over repeatedly, um, you know, to, to shoot the a gap, beating the, the the right guard, um, you know, chasing the running back down the line, um, you know, also affecting the quarterback in the passing game. You know, when you're talking about defensive tackles, especially guys that you're going to take in, in round number one, can they affect both the pass and the run? If they're one-dimensional, those are the guys that are definitely going to fall. You know, there's always a spot for those guys, but they're going to fall a little bit. Um, you know, you want to see some of that versatility. And when you talk about versatility, uh, Dexter Lawrence, there's a reason why um, he's he's being talked about as a top 10 pick. You know, 6'4", 340 pounds, so powerful at the point of attack, just driving the center back into the backfield. Uh, does an excellent job holding the point with, with two blockers. Doesn't give up any ground. And then also, you know, really able to get off of those blocks and and wrap up the running back. Um, I think he flows well down the line um, on the running plays. Um, just so athletic, like I said, you know, and, and a pretty good burst off the ball. Shows a swim move, um, you know, to, to beat his man uh, off the ball with a quick first step. Chasing down the running back, dropping him for no gain. Um, you know, to me, Dexter Lawrence, I think, has really solidified himself as a top 10 pick. Uh, Cleveland Farrell. 6'5", 265 pounds, you know, another guy very quick off the ball, that quick penetration, getting inside to drop the running back. You know, he's not just a pass rusher, not just, uh, you know, a guy who's going to be showing that speed off the edge. He can set the edge as well, you know, against the run, using that the, that length that he has, those long arms, um, you know, to, to be effective in the running game as well. Talked about Washington and Colorado earlier, you know, Jake Browning, you know, he, he's definitely a, the decision-making, you know, excellent timing. When he's in rhythm, uh, as I said, he's a guy who's definitely going to um, take, you know, take defenses apart. Uh, the guy to really talk about here, Ben Burke-Curvin. You know, we're talking about my rankings for the linebacker position. Ben Burke-Curvin is leading the, the country in tackles. Uh, had 20 tackles in one game and then 19 in another. Uh, two-time All-Pac-12 Pac uh, Defensive Player of the Week. Um, you know, this season, um, you know, you just, the instincts, he flows well to the football, you know, read a tight end swing pass, um, you know, made a break on it to the outside, able to drop the tight end and, and dropped him there on the spot for only a seven yard gain. Um, you know, does a good job dropping into coverage. There was a drag, um, drag route by the receiver coming in front of him, drove so quickly on the ball, just wrapped the guy up and threw him down hard. Uh, for only a two-yard game, he's so fast. I think that's one of the things that everyone talks about. He's only six foot, two hundred twenty-one pounds. Is he going to be able to to you know to play? You know, that's the the thing that they were saying on the broadcast. His coaches weren't sure if he was going to be able to hold up to the rigors of, um, you know, of of the the collegiate game. And uh, all he did, all he's done this year is uh, you know lead the the nation in in tackles. Um, so it'll be interesting. He, if nothing else would be one of those guys, you know, you need to have linebackers who can run. The game is, is changing to more of the pass-happy, um, you know, NFL offenses now. So you're going to need to have some of those hybrid-type um, linebacker safeties. You know, I, I think of a guy like Dorian O'Daniel um, from uh, from last year's Clemson Tigers, um, you know, a, a guy who you know, was an undersized linebacker, you know, and really can play that hybrid linebacker safety position. Ben Burkirvin, you know, an inside linebacker, but a guy who I think could end up, you know, potentially, you know, moving into a role similar to that. Uh, Mustafa Johnson, 
290-pound defensive end. He's a sophomore, um, but the burst off the football, the ability to affect the passer and, and, and drop the running back, he's somebody that I think you know for next year's draft, there's going to be you know, consideration. This could be a guy who could be a sleeper that will rise up draft boards. Um, you know, Greg Gaines, people, you know, he's kind of the forgotten guy. You know, he was there with, with Vita Vea, was kind of uh, Vea's running mate, uh, 6'2", 316 pounds, very stout at the point of attack. But what's impressive to me is, is you know, he, he sh- not only shows that power, you know, the ability to drive a guy off the football, but, you know, he's getting out on the perimeter and, and chasing, chasing the football down. I think that's one of the things for me that, you know, I was impressed with was, was some of that athleticism that he was offering. Again, that Penn State game, 33-28 uh, winners. You know, Wes Martin, I just talked about him a couple of weeks ago being a, a top 10 guard, had three holding penalties. You know, there was one where he almost got Yeter uh, Gross Matos in a, in a rear naked choke. Um, but he's one of those guys who I think, you know, when he gets his hands inside and in under that pad level, he plays with good leverage and can be very physical. Uh, I still think he's a guy who could be a top 10 guard in this draft. Um, and then the other guy to talk about is Amani Oruwariye. You know, squared up with with Nick Westbrook in a goal line play. Um, got his eyes back to the quarterback. Um, you know, on his on his hip. And uh, you know, the throw was 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 kind of out of the back of the end zone, but he was in the right position to make a play. Very physical corner. Comes downhill in the running game. Um, you know, make a play on the perimeter. Um, so those are the guys to really make mention there and that Penn State game. LSU, like I said, 19-3 winners over Mississippi State. Um, Devin White, you know, he, he's the Roquan Smith of this draft class um, at, at the inside linebacker position. Definitely going to be a top 10 pick. A guy who just has excellent range, excellent feel for the game, um, playing the run, you know, inside, you know, inside, outside, has the speed to play sideline to sideline, fills the holes very well. Um, excellent timing on his blitzes to get to the quarterback. Um, can also drop into coverage a little bit as well. Um, you know, Montez Sweat for, for Mississippi State, defensive end, 6'6", 245 pounds. Um, does a great job pursuing plays backside against the run, um, but also very explosive coming off the off the edge. Uses his length very well. Um, you know, can bend and turn the corner in a hurry. Um, he's definitely a very uh, disruptive pass rusher coming off the edge. And then Jeffrey Simmons, 6'4", 300 pounds. You know, excellent leverage at the point of attack. Um, does a great job with those hands to, to get off blocks, um, both again, you know, to affect the pass and the run. Um, Elton Jenkins, their center, 6'4", 310 pounds there at Mississippi State, um, you know, showed a, a very, uh, you know, a ability to absorb contact. You saw uh, the nose tackle, Ed Alexander, with a very powerful punch, was able to, to keep his base, um, you know, kept his leverage, wasn't driven back at all, uh, and then as the game went along, was very physical with the, with the tackle, able to turn him away. Um, very athletic, you know, a strong base, good lower body strength as well. Very quick off the snap, gets his hips around, able to seal off the defensive tackle. Um, so I think Jenkins definitely continues to help himself. And, and with the way that, you know, guys like Frank Ragnow, 
um, Billy Price getting grafted in the first round. I think uh, Jenkins, the most athletic of the bunch, has a chance to do that as well. Uh, Dion Calhoun, the right guard, um, you know, he's 6'3", 320 pounds. I thought that he looked really, uh, really athletic, you know, coming around, pulling, getting in through that A-gap. And I don't know how many times he met Devin White in that A-gap. I mean, he was coming around, making those blocks and able to drive him back um, off the ball. I think Dion Calhoun has definitely been helping himself over the last couple of uh, um, last few games. And then, you know, finally, for, for LSU, Grant Delpit. Well, really, you know, the two safeties, you know, Jonathan Abram for, for Mississippi State and then Grant Delpit for LSU. Uh, Delpit's only a sophomore, so he won't be entering this year's draft, but just the instincts. You know, uh, Nick Fitzgerald stared down his receiver in the slot, and uh, Delpit just happened to be playing there in the box. And... Uh, jump the route, ultimately able to pick off the pass. Um, you see him blitzing off the edge and uh, dove for Fitzgerald's legs, you know, and, and ultimately not able to to make a play. Gets back up off the ground, able to get back down, chase Nick Fitzgerald, and, and ultimately get that sack. And then Jonathan Abram, very active, coming downhill um, on a swing pass, able to wrap up uh, the running back in the open field, uh, leading tackler for the Bulldogs. Um you know, against the run, you know, showed really good range, started on one hash, able to get all the way over to the other hash and drop uh, the running back for only a two-yard gain. Um, you know, two two safeties that I think you'll both be seeing, you know, playing at the next level. Um, that Oregon-Washington State game, I said I was going to talk about uh, Gardner Minshew and, uh, you know, leading passer in FBS, 404 total yards per game. Um, you know, <coughs> excuse me. What you saw out of Gardner Minshew was his ability to, um, gosh, you know, more than anything else, I, I think what was impressive watching Gardner Minshew was his ability to, um, you know, lead his receivers, throw them open um, in the short to intermediate passing game. And that's really, you didn't see him cut loose with the football too often, but just so accurate. And uh, he was making um, Oregon pay, you know, 30, 39 to 51. 323 uh, yards and four touchdowns. Spread the ball around to eight, nine receivers. Andre Dillard, um, 6'5", 310-pound senior, left tackle. Showed, uh, you know, very, you know, very good lateral movement. Very light on his feet. Um, very, you know, like I said, quick out of his feet. Sits down in, in pass protection. Um, you know, good punch at the point of attack as well. Um, I thought he was very patient with with uh, with a linebacker there, Justin Hollins, on the outside, able to you know mirror him laterally. I thought that was um, something that you really saw there as well. Um, Justin Herbert, you know, we've talked about Justin Herbert over the last couple of weeks, and uh, you know, to me, again, you know, he'd be the top quarterback in this year's draft. Struggled a little bit, you know, ultimately twenty five of forty four, two hundred seventy yards and a touchdown. Um, it wasn't until the second half where he really got comfortable. That offensive line without Panay Sewell at uh, left tackle. They had to move Calvin Throckmorton from the right side to the left. Brady Ayalo came in at right tackle. And um, I'll tell you what, you know, Washington State, you know, and, and Tracy Clays, the defensive coordinator, they were putting all kinds of pressure on Herbert. Wasn't very comfortable, but uh, in the second half, he was able to settle down, really start making some plays. Biggest thing for me with Justin Herbert is don't focus on just Dylan Mitchell. Spread the football around. You've got other guys there that can make some plays. And, uh, you know, I want to see him continue to utilize some of those other receivers, develop some of that chemistry. And I think you saw that a little bit with the tight end, uh, Jacob Breland, in that game. 
Um, you know, Jalen Thompson, the six foot, 190 pound junior safety for Washington State, another guy to keep an eye on. Um, showed excellent ball skills, good range over the top. And then the running back for, for Wazoo, James Williams, um, you know, six foot, 205 pound junior. Um, you know, I, I thought this was a guy, you know, he had a play on the swinging gate, started to the left, pressed the line, got back to the right, ultimately made about three or four different guys miss before ultimately taking it to the house. Um, like I said, for 24 yards, excellent receiver, you know, a hands catcher attacks the ball in the air. To me, if James Williams, you know, comes back for a senior season, he'll be a running back to uh, keep in mind, um, you know, in next year's draft, a guy who I think is just going to continue to build his draft stock. Um, they're playing for, for Mike Leach because not only can he carry the ball between the tackles and bounce it out to the outside, um, you see the natural ability to catch the football out of the backfield. So definitely someone to keep an eye on. Let's see. We're down to our last two games. Ohio State-Purdue. You know, Rondell Moore, only a freshman, 5'9", 175 pounds, just so explosive. So much fun to watch. Um, I think they said on the on the broadcast – you know, on one of the broadcasts, um, that he's a, a a receiver who lifts with the offensive lineman. Uh, I think a 600 pound squat. Um, you know, he was just he was running, running through arm tackles. Um, you know, and and just so explosive. Um, you know, was making plays all over the field. Um, you know, 12 receptions, 170 yards, two touchdowns. Whenever David Blau was looking for a guy, um, you know, looking for someone in the passing game, that was who he was looking for. Uh, Draymond Jones, um, you know, the defensive tackle there for Ohio State, you know, showed a, a good job getting skinny through the B gap, um, flattening out, you know, putting pressure on the quarterback, closed very well, um, you know, arm over move uh, on the left guard, shot through the A gap, hit the quarterback high, um, you know, got a rough in the passer call on him, but you know, you, you saw the explosiveness, you, you saw his ability to get into the backfield. Um, David Blau, I think, has put himself on the map as a quarterback. You know, he had uh, some injury concerns, um, but you know, it was just really good decision making. You know, someone who I think that the team has really rallied behind. You know, there was him and Elijah Sindelar um, since Blau has taken over the the helm of the the, the team. Six one, two hundred five pounds. You can see the leadership. You know, just a savvy veteran, uh, a guy who really knew where to go with the football all game long. Um, didn't really make a whole lot of mistakes. 25 of 43, 378 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions on the day. That was important. Uh, DJ Knox, the senior running back, 5'7", 210 pounds, really a power runner. You know, a, a guy who I think runs with attitude, you know, physical between the tackles, showed his ability to block, you know, picked up Chase Young on a quarterback rollout, nine-yard touchdown pass to Rondell Moore. Um, like I said, tough downhill runner. There was a 42-yard touchdown up the middle. Uh, burst through the hole, um, you know, set up, uh, set up the safety. I think it was Jordan, uh, Jordan Fuller, uh, over five yards away with this jab step, and then able to cut and uh, off that, and ultimately, uh, defensive back went down and he scored. Uh, Jordan Fuller, to me, you know, he's put together a lot of bad tape. You know, over pursuing, not breaking down, very out of control. Um, just seems to be out of position. You know, more often than than not. Uh, Kendall Sheffield in this game, you know, he uh, w- was having a hard time, you know, staying, uh, keeping up with, with Rondell Moore when he was lined up with him. 
but uh, you know likes to jam receivers at the line. Very physical. You know, got over the top of the route of Jared Sparks, one of the other receivers. Um, you know, ran with with, with Zico, uh, Isaiah Zico, on another play. Um, you know, and, and was just somebody who looked very fluid in, in his movements. Um, but uh, again, you know, losing um, Damon Arnett, who wasn't able to play in the game, I think definitely hurt. You know, Sean Wade and Jeffrey Okuda. You know, really they they were having a hard time stopping Rondell Moore, and then and then Dwight Haskins, like I said, you know, earlier. You know, struggled a little bit when he was under duress, um, and really, you know, they were turned into a one-dimensional team. Um, you know, J.K. Dobbins, Mike Mike Weber, not able to get anything done on the ground. Threw for threw the ball 73 times. I mean, it was 46 at 73, 470 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. That interception was the pick six by Marcus Bailey to seal it, um, getting that 49 points there against uh, the Buckeyes. To me, Dwayne Haskins come back for one more year. You know, I, I think you could potentially you have that potential to be a top 10, 15 pick if you come back for that senior season. Last game we're going to talk about uh, Utah USC, 41 to 28. Um, you know, Utah Utes, but it wasn't really even that close. You know, JT Daniels, six to 16 for just 89 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions for the Trojans. Trojans, I, you know, I, I don't even recognize this team anymore um the offensive line is abysmal um there's no running game quarterback is gun shy um you know most of the passes were, were vertical routes and uh you know balls were underthrown and ultimately michael Pittman making a name for himself this was a guy who's able to go up and high point footballs 50 50 ball went up with two defensive backs able to catch the you know catch the football over the two of them four receptions 107 yards and a touchdown on the day um you know, ultimately, you know, Zach, Zach Moss, the physical running back, 25 carries, 136 yards for the Utes to, to lead the way. And then Chase Hansen, 11 tackles, three tackles for loss and interception. We talk about the, the outside line or outside and inside linebackers. You know, I think Chase Hansen, a former safety, 6'3", 230 pounds. Um, you know, he, I think he's among the, the nation leaders in tackles for loss. I think he's got 12 now leading the pack 12 as well. Um, just very instinctive shooting, um, you know, up the middle or off the edge to affect both the passer and shooting and, and make plays on the running back. So those were the games that I watched last week, um, all 15 of them. And I said that we we're going to go ahead and cover um, the linebacker positions. And I want to get through as much as I can. I also want to be mindful of the fact that I don't want to get you know too far past um, the two-hour mark. Um, let's see, we're sitting at about what hour you know hour and 30 minutes so we got a little bit of time we can sit here and and, and spend talking about the the linebacker position what my rankings look like um obviously my number one I, i've already said is josh allen out of kentucky um you know already with with 12 and a half tackles for loss eight sacks um has now has 22 and a half sacks in his career um, a pass breakup, so he's able to drop into coverage. You know, you saw that against the Aggies. Um, you know, there was a tight end uh, corner route, or I guess it was an over route, really. And uh, you know, he was able to get depth underneath that route and and go up and make a play on the football. So explosive off the edge, um, whether it's as a stand up um, rusher or with his hand in the ground. Um, one of the fastest guys coming off the edge, and uh, you know, is a three down player. And uh, a guy to me that I think should be in consideration for for the top ten when it's all said and done. 
Brian Burns for Florida State. Um, you know, another guy who is very explosive. And, you know, he uses his length to his advantage. You know, not only does he shoot in, you know, he's he, he uses that length to get off blocks in a hurry and, uh, you know, is able to get to, to the to the football, make plays, and, and you know, knows what, he, what to do when he gets there. Um, he's put on some weight. Now he's 235 pounds, um, you know, so far on the year. You know, 11 tackles for loss and, and, uh, and nine sacks. He's got 22 in his career. Um, I, I think the two of them are, are definitely going to be guys that – um, are going to be battling to see who's going to be the, the top offense, um, outside linebacker taken. I think Josh Allen has a little bit of an edge there. Um, but Brian Burns, look, you know, like I said, um, he knows what to do when he gets to the football. Seven forced fumbles in his career, including, you know, three in each of the last two years. Six pass breakups as well. Um, you know, two guys who I, I think are both deserving of, of top 15 picks. Um, I'll, I'll give you a name we, I, I've talked about before. Someone who I, I think isn't going to garner a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of looks during the season, but during the pre-draft process, people are going to fall in love with him, and that's O'Shane Ziminis, six uh, four, two hundred fifty-five pounds. He's playing defensive end. He'll be an outside linebacker at the next level, more than likely. Uh, Twelve and a half tackles for loss this year with with eight sacks already. Um, you know, he has 45 and a half for loss tackles for loss and 29 sacks in his career, 12 pass breakups, um, nine forced fumbles, you know, an, another guy who's very explosive, very active. Um, he was a, a terror for, for the Hokies in their upset win. Um, so even though old dominion, the Monarchs with just one win on the year, um, O'Shane Ziminis is definitely a guy who is a, a bright spot there for, for that program. Talked about Chase Winovich before, and, and and look, you know there are certain guys that you know they're they're just a workhorse. They're they're fun to watch. They're guys that are just going to fly all around the football field. And Chase Winovich is the guy. Everyone talks about uh, Rashawn Gary being the guy that uh, is going to be a top ten pick. Um, I certainly don't see it. I think he's a guy who's probably you know just based on athleticism will probably be taken in the top twenty picks. But uh, I think Chase Winovich has outplayed him. You know, I, I really have, um, think he has, you know, the, the, the ability to bend around the edge, um, the explosiveness, his ability to, to rush the passer, both inside and outside, um, 37 and a half tackles for loss, 16 total sacks. Um, you know, a, a guy who just nonstop motor, you know, he's got that, that flowing locks, you know, the, the blonde hair reminds you a little bit of, uh, of, uh, Clay Matthews. And uh, you know, this guy who really works hard. You know, those are my top four. You know, I talked about a guy that reminds me of Clay Matthews. You know, we'll get to Porter Gustin here in just a second, who basically looks, you know, it's a spitting image of uh, of Clay Matthews. But before we get to him, let's talk about DeAndre Walker out of, out of uh, Georgia. You know, the, the the Bulldogs really struggling to get much of a pass rush this season. Um, which is kind of surprising, but you know DeAndre Walker has been the exception. 6'3", 245 pounds, excellent length coming off the edge. Um, 22 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks, including five so far this season. Um, you know, three forced fumbles as well. Um, an explosive first step. Um, another guy who bends very well, just so explosive, getting off the edge, um, winning a lot of times with his hands as well. Um, 
you know, I, I'd like to see him, you know, affect, you know, be a little bit more active. When you look at his his stats, he might very well end up being a situational pass rusher. Just 19 total tackles on the year in in, in six games. Um, you know, that that's a bit of a concern. You know, how uh, you know how active is he really? Um, or is he a guy who's looking more, more or less to to try to make plays in, in opposing backfield? Is he just a situational pass rusher? That is um, something that uh, you'll have to kind of keep an eye on as the season goes on. Um, Porter Gustin, look, he's my favorite college football player to watch, and, and I don't even think it's close. They're they're guys who are more technically sound than him. They're more athletic than him. Um, but man, he just plays with this reckless abandon. You know, he's 6'5", 265 pounds. Um, you know, finishes his Trojan career because he broke his his ankle in the game. But you know, 137 tackles, uh, 33 going for loss, 21 and a half sacks, including seven and a half um, this season in just six games. Um, you know, just a, a guy who just always working to the quarterback. Um, you know, I think he's actually going to test a lot better. Um, than people would would expect, but you know he's not the most technically sound guy at all coming off the edge. But he's always getting to the edge. He's very physical. You know, just a you know a workout warrior. I think that's one of the things that you're going to see when he tests at the combine. Um, also pretty explosive for for a guy his size. Um, just always seem to be in the backfield. You know, he uses his hands very well to to get off blocks, and uh, you know can, the, the speed to power is is there. And uh, just seem to be throwing guys around at will, and uh, you know making quarterbacks' lives um, you know uh, miserable um, to say the least. Uh, Sports Illustrated article talked about him that uh, you know his ten thousand dollar or ten thousand dollar ten thousand calorie diet um, that he would drink. You know, and so Sports Illustrated documented you know that he would take the um, you know the the proteins, the chicken or the fish. And then all the different veggies from the broccoli to, you know, you name it, and rice. Um, blend all of that up with a full bottle of, uh, of muscle milk and drink it. You know, I thought it'd be more efficient to just drink it than have to sit down and actually eat his meal because of the 10,000 calorie diet. Um, just a, an absolute freak, an absolute machine. You just worry about his durability. But if he can stay healthy, you know, I, I think he's a guy who's going to be fun to watch even at the next level. Now, Anthony Jennings, a lot of people are talking about him as, you know, a, a, a guy that we have to be on notice of as a potential first round pick. Uh, 6'3", 266 pounds. Look, you know, he, he's, he's a guy I'm waiting to see him really emerge. I mean, and I don't know if it's Alabama um, and, and the fact that they have been so dominant on, on, on that defensive side of the football um, but just 14 tackles on the season, um, you know, four and a half tackles for loss, just two and a half sacks. Um, you know, I, I just haven't seen the production there. He's an athletic, there's potential, but, uh, you know, there have been other outside linebackers that have made a difference there at Alabama, and I just haven't seen that from Anthony Jennings. Um, like I said, with Ben Banigou, you know, four and a half sacks, um, you know, on, on the year, just hasn't been his explosive self, you know, and and that's something that you know teams have been have been kind of keying on him, forcing other guys to make plays a little bit. Um, you know, Banigou in his first season with with the Horn Frogs had a huge year: sixteen and a half tackles for loss, uh, eight and a half sacks. You know, after transferring to TCU from Louisiana Monroe, 
Um, you know, I'm really expecting him to step up his game. Um, you know, Terrell Hanks, I've talked about him before from, from um, New Mexico State. You know, if, if you get a chance to watch New Mexico State, the Aggies, um, you know, Terrell Hanks, you know, 6'3", 235 pounds, very athletic linebacker, over 100 tackles in uh, each of the, uh, you know, the past two seasons. Um, knows how to rush the quarterback, has 10 sacks on, on the uh, on the year, 40 and a half tackles for loss, 13 pass breakups, eight interceptions, seven forced fumbles. Just fills up the stat sheet. Um, you know, in five games, 65 tackles on the year, six uh, tackles for loss. Hasn't gotten a, a sack just yet, but uh, you know, definitely an explosive player. You know, somebody who I think is going to be a day three pick, but uh, you know, I think he's going to ultimately outplay what. Uh, his draft uh, draft order is going to be. I think he's someone that people will be talking about. Hey, this is a first, you know, fifth round pick. But look at look at the production that he that he has out on the football field. And then obviously, you know, uh, you know, Drew Tranquil is a guy. You know, he started his his career there as a sa- yeah, at Notre Dame as a safety. Um, if you'll remember, he was a guy that was celebrating uh, an interception and wound up breaking his leg. Um, 6'2", 235 pounds, um, you know, a guy who's just active, always seems to be around the football. He and, uh, you know, Tevin Coney, um, really are the, the heartbeat of that defense for, uh, Notre Dame. So those are, those are my top 10. Those are the guys that I currently have in the top 10. Obviously things could definitely change. Um, one of my favorite players to watch is, is Ulysses Gilbert out of Akron, 6'1", 230 pounds, very athletic, uh, 140 tackles a season ago. Um, what he's really playing this season for, for Akron is more or less kind of a nickelback. You see him out on the perimeter, you know, um, landing up against receivers in the slot and, uh, you know, but he's a guy who's probably going to run a, a four, five 40 at the, at the combine. And, uh, you know, again, with the way that the game is changing, he's a guy who I think is going to end up, you know, we talk about Deion Jones and some of these other outside linebackers that have a ton of speed, um, you know, ultimately getting drafted. He's the next in line that I think could definitely make that, make that happen. Um, you know, another name for, a um, a, a group of five to, to keep an eye on is, is EJ, uh, Ajia. I haven't gotten to see North North Texas play yet, and I'm really kind of bummed about that because you know they're having a big year um, this year. I think they're six and two on the season. Um, a GS 6'3", 230 pounds. Um, you know, I took notice of him a season ago. 108 tackles. Um, you know, 12 uh, for loss, seven sacks already this season in, in eight games. 77 tackles, 15 and a half for loss, seven sacks. Um, you know, a, a guy who is explosive off the edge. Um, he play can play both the um, the run and get after the quarterback. Um, he's among the um, the nation's leaders in both tackles for loss and sacks per game. Um, someone to keep an eye on. Um, absolutely, uh, another guy to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, Chase Hansen that we talked about, um, the safety uh, linebacker hybrid, a guy who can move um, pretty well, um, understands coverage, a guy who I think could be a three down player. Um, you know, it can play either safety or linebacker wherever you really need him to play. Another guy who's interesting is Nate Harvey of East Carolina. You know, he showed up at East Carolina as a fullback. Um, I believe he was a former walk-on, 6'1", 225 pounds. Um, hadn't played on the defensive side of the football until 2018. And, you know, 
everything he's just been so explosive you know 17 tackles for loss um six sacks um just a guy who you know just continues to work you know and he's very explosive coming off the edge and uh gets into the backfield look he's still raw at the position and and he's still able to do what he does you know so he's definitely somebody um you know that teams might take a flyer on you know look you know he's able to develop in just one year imagine what you could do if you put him on your practice squad and give him a couple of years working with you you know developing him you know you might end up having a player when it's all said and done Oregon's Justin Hollins. He's 6'5", 242 pounds, very athletic on the outside, does a little bit of everything. Um, you know, nine tackles for loss, four sacks, has an interception, um, you know, three pass breakups and uh, three forced fumbles as well. Um, you know, he's one of the more athletic guys coming off the edge. To me, I think, you know, Justin Hollins actually has had a better season than, than Jalen Jelks, the defensive end, um, in, in a lot of respects because, um, you know, I, I think... Um, you know, Jelks is getting some of that, some of that attention, but you know, there's Justin Hollins on the other side, um, you know, yeah, pulling up, you know, um, Jelks' stats, you know, just four, uh, four tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. So, you know, you're relying on uh, Justin Hollins, who's getting a lot of single coverage um, coming off the edge. And uh, he's been able to deliver for, uh, for the Ducks. And then one last name to keep an eye on, um, you know, 6'2", 235-pound uh, linebacker Malik Reed for the Nevada Wolfpack. Um, you know, a season ago had 10, 10 tackles for loss and 8 sacks. Um, as a defensive end, he's really been playing more at, at um, outside linebacker this year. Um, already has 47 tackles, had 49 all of last year. Uh, 10.5 tackles for loss um, already. Um, and, and five um, five sacks, um, has 10 forced fumbles in his career as well. Another guy who has tremendous length coming off the edge. I think that's something that you definitely see um, with, with Malik Reed, such long arms. Um, you know, really uh, a guy who I think is, is, is really pretty fun to watch um, coming off the edge. You know, a season ago, you know, I was waiting to see a little bit more from him. Uh, they're four and four right now under Jay Norvell. I'm hoping that Nevada gets a couple more wins, um, so that you know I know people usually tune in and watch the bowl games more than anything else. And he's a guy that you know you definitely want to see um, play. If nothing else, tune in and watch Nevada's bowl game. If they do get invited to a bowl, need to win two more games. Um, but if they do that, Malik uh, Malik Reed's definitely a guy that you definitely want to keep an eye on. Um, so I talked about my inside linebackers that I was going to go ahead and go over that. I think we're running out of time. Um, I'm going to kind of just mention some names. Won't really be able to go over their stats too much. Um, you know, Devin White, obviously a guy who I think is going to be, um, you know, the next Roquan Smith in terms of the draft. Um, excellent range. Um, sideline to sideline player. Can drop into coverage. Can rush the quarterback. Very uh, intelligent football player. He'll be a top 10 pick for sure. Um, Devin Bush, you know, 5'11", 233 pounds, a guy who fills up the stat sheet um, for Don Brown in that defense. You know, we talk about Winovich, we talk about um, you know, Rashawn Gary, but the heartbeat and the guy who really, you know, you know, is, is the straw that serves the drink. It's it's Devin Bush. He's the guy that's going to get them in the right position to make the plays. Um, you know, and 
like I said, he can do a little bit of everything. You know, he can he can get after the quarterback, um, you know, make play sideline to sideline. Um, really a lot of fun to watch. Mac Wilson out of Alabama. You know, look, Mac Wilson for me, you know, he's a guy who I, I definitely see dropping into coverage. Um, a guy who can can uh, make some plays on the football. Had four interceptions a season ago. Definitely some excellent ball skills. Still need to work on. You know, being effective as a as a guy who's going to get after the quarterback, um, very athletic. Um, I think he's a little overrated, though. I think people have him rated very high. I heard some people talking about him as a possible first round pick. Honestly, I don't see it. I see some other guys that are. Um, you know, I think he's a guy who can drop into coverage, and that's something that you definitely want to have at the next level. I just don't know. I think he'd be a guy that I want to take. You know, take day two. That's where I think his value would be, um, sometime you know in the in the second round. Um, T.J. Edwards for Wisconsin. Gosh, you got to take this guy day two. Um, you know, he, he's a guy you look at him, and he's not the most imposing guy. Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, he's six one, two hundred forty two pounds, and uh, you know. Fills up the stat sheets. You know, he's going to have over 300 tackles there for Wisconsin, 34 and a half for loss, eight sacks, nine interceptions, 13 pass breakups. Um, so instinctive. I think that's one of the things that you really say about TJ Edwards. He's instinctive. Um, the lateral movement, his ability to drop into coverage, reads the quarterback very well. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's Tavon Coney out of, uh, out of Notre Dame. Um, another guy, you know, to me, I think he plays best downhill coming after the the quarterback you know you do see him out on the perimeter I, I think you know there are some questions you know that I have with him moving laterally um you know a, a little bit I think he's a little stiff-hipped as well um is he a guy who can make plays on the football in the passing game or is he just going to be a two-down linebacker that's really what the big question is going to be um that's you know I think those questions will be answered at the combine um Talked about Ty Summers already. Um, he's my number six outside linebacker. Cameron Smith out of USC. Um, look, you know, he, last season he weighed 200 and, uh, uh, 250 pounds and was very slow. You know, not able to get to the outside. He's lost weight. Um, I think he's playing now at 227 pounds, and you see the explosiveness. Um, you know, he's able to get to the outside. He's only played in five games, you know, like Porter Gustin, you know, there, there's must be something in the water at, at, at SC, especially with these linebackers, because, you know, Cam Smith, again, you know, battling injuries. And, uh, you know, if you'll remember Cam Smith, uh, Cam Smith was the guy who had three interceptions against Utah, took one back for a touchdown as a, a, a true freshman. Um, you know, and what's interesting is, is, you know, he did that as a freshman, as a, as a junior, 111 tackles. Um, I'm sorry, 112 tackles on, on the year, um, you know, doing a little, little bit of everything, a little different, you know, this year, obviously, you know, with him, um, being injured and not able to play in, in some of the games, having a, an issue with a hamstring, um, he's been kind of a guy who's, who's been stepping up as a, as a leader, um, for some of the younger linebackers that are having to step up and, and, uh, and carry the load without him. Um, Khalil, uh, excuse me, Khalil Hodge for the, the Buffalo Bulls. Um, another one of my favorite, you know, group of five guys, um, when Buffalo played, played Akron. I, um, if you'll recall, I, I talked about, you know, watching Hodge and Gilbert play and, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to, you know, fast forward through any of the, um, you know, through any of the game at all. 
Um, you know, I wanted to see every little bit of this. I didn't want to, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, I was watching Khalil Hodge. I was rewinding and watching him, his, his movements around the field. Um, you know, he'll have three straight seasons, uh, over a hundred tackles, um, you know, 99 so far on the year, um, had 153 a season ago as a sophomore, 123 tackles, um, a guy who just plays well sideline to sideline. He knows how to get off blocks, uh, very instinctive, takes excellent angles to the football. Um, a, a guy who I think is another underrated guy. You know, I'm going to be curious to see exactly how he tests. What's he going to run? That's really going to be a question as to whether or not, uh, you know, he's going to be a um, third, fourth round guy or if he's going to end up falling into the, the fifth, fifth or sixth round range. Um, but a guy who was definitely, definitely a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Shaq Quarterman out of uh, out of uh, Michigan. I'm sorry, out of Miami, uh, the Hurricanes. Uh, Shaq Quarterman, you know, a a three year starter, basically started every single game. He's been a mainstay on that, that defense since day one, since arriving on campus. Six one, two hundred thirty five pounds, uh, nine tackles for loss, four sacks this year. Um, already you know in, in seven games you know in 13 games a season ago just seven tackles for loss and two uh, two and a half sacks um, definitely the leader of the defense and uh, you know a guy who I think can be a, a three down player but to me when I think of Shaq Quarterman he's a, a, a downhill thumper um, will he come out after this year it's possible but uh, I'd like to see him come back for a senior season. I think he could be a guy who could end up challenging to potentially be the number one uh, inside linebacker taken in next year's draft. So I've already mentioned Ben Burkirvin as another guy um, to keep an eye out for. Um, 13, 13.3 tackles per game. Uh, there's Joe Deneen, you know, 12.3 tackles per game out, out of uh, Kansas. Um, you know, that's a uh, a program that seems to put together some some pretty good linebackers, um, some linebacker play. Uh, 133 tackles uh, a season ago. Um, another guy just trusts his eyes. You know, not the most athletic guy, not the most physically gifted guy, but a guy who just knows how to make plays. And you know, he's a guy who I think is going to end up finding his way onto an NFL roster. Um, Jelani Tavai, out of Hawaii. This is a guy who, um, you know. Was suspended for the first game, um, 6'3", uh, 260 pounds. Um, a, a guy who flies around to the football, you know, over 120 tackles in each of the last two seasons. Um, in those two, those two seasons, you know, 30 tackle, 30 and a half tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks. You know, he's played in eight games so far, 82 tackles. The, the tackles for loss and the sack totals not really mirroring what he what he's done. Um, you know, the last two games. But uh, a, a guy who I think is just, he's, he's instinctive, he's a football player, he's a guy who belongs in my top 10, and uh, a guy who I, I think teams, you know, they'll have to figure out what went wrong, why he was suspended, um, make sure, you know, everything checks out there. But a guy who I think is just a really good football player and a guy who should be playing on Sundays um, if, again, all the off-field things, um, you know, really check out for him. So those are my inside linebackers. Look at that. We were able to go ahead and get everything fit in. And we're right, you know, pushing that two-hour mark. So I was able to fit it in. Um, so, you know, the last piece of, of my podcast, you know, if you've been able to listen to it wherever you're at, whether it's on Apple iTunes or uh, iHeartRadio, thank you for, for tuning in and, and listening to, to me uh, talk about 
uh, college football. This again is my passion. I enjoy this. I enjoy um, you know breaking things down for for the NFL draft. Um, you know, I've been putting together my my mock drafts. Gosh, since two thousand. You know, so when you think about that, you know, I've been doing it a long time, and I put in the work. You know, I'm gonna try to shoot for another, you know, 250, you know, games watched at least um, from beginning to end. You know, before uh, we start the pre-draft process, um, you know, it's just something that I've always loved to do, and uh, you know, it's amazing. You know, this is ni- uh, year number 19 for me uh, when it comes to uh, you know my mock drafts. But uh, in any event, let's get to week nine. Let's see what we got going on here. Friday. Louisiana Tech, Florida Atlantic. Obviously, with with Florida Atlantic, you have uh, Devin Smith. I'm sorry, Devin Singletary. Uh, Louisiana Tech. They have Jalen Ferguson, the the defensive end, um, who could be a prospect. Miami taking on Boston College. Um, you know, Zach Allen. Um, obviously, you have AJ Dillon, the dynamic uh, sophomore running back. Miami. You know that the explosive defense. You know, there's a guy to watch there. Defensive tackle Gerald Willis the third. Um, someone who I think should be getting some NFL looks. Um, Indiana's taking on Minnesota. If you haven't watched Minnesota play, tune in. Watch Carter Coughlin. You know, a, a junior a linebacker, very explosive coming off the edge. Um, Utah, number 23 ranked uh, Utes, going to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA. They've won their last two games. The Bruins have. You know, see if they can knock off Utah. Um, let's see what else do we have. Um, so at the time of the, the taping or the recording of this, this podcast, um, you know, West Virginia has already taken on Baylor. Um, they won 58 to 14 will Greer, 353 yards through the air, three touchdowns, um, in the game. Uh, David Sills, five, five receptions, 139 yards, two touchdowns, Gary Jennings, three, uh, receptions, hundred yards, Two touchdowns on the day for West Virginia, getting the win over the Baylor Bears. Um, Appalachian State going down to Georgia Southern, 34-14. Number 25 ranked Appalachian State will no longer be ranked. Um, Gosh, I missed out on some of the games tonight. Uh, Ohio uh, taking out Ball State. Um, Let's see. So Saturday, you know, Clemson taking on Florida State. You know, Brian Burns, can he get after – um, you know, Dexter Lawrence, I'm sorry, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, um, DeAndre Francois, you know, is he going to be able to, to do anything against that, that Clemson defense? Um, I'm expecting the number two uh, Tigers to, uh, to become, you know, to, you know, emerge victorious there. Wisconsin taking on Northwestern. I think that'll, you know, Northwestern um, four and three, they're fighting back um, actually four and one in the big 10. Um, they're playing at home at, um, at, at, uh, uh, Evan Field, um, so that's you know Wisconsin. They can't take them lightly, uh, but I, I expect Wisconsin to end up coming away with the win there. Um, Iowa State, Texas Tech, um, Iowa State, the best three and three team there is. Uh, obviously, Alan Bowman's healthy, um, but they're going to have to go against uh, you know Brock Purdy and David Montgomery. I think Iowa State ends up getting the W, especially if Coach Haycock and that defense um, can put pressure there on the Red Raider defense or on the Red Raider offense, slow them down just a little bit. Um, as we work through Purdue taking on Michigan State, um, I expect Purdue to come out with the victory there, even though they're going to East Lansing for that game. Um, we continue scrolling through. Let's see what else we have. Ah, 
Georgia, number seven in the country. Um, they're between the hedges against uh, number nine Florida Gators. Um, you know, Jake Fromm going up against, uh, uh, you know, Felipe Franks. You know, and one of the guys we talked about defensive or outside linebackers, and I just realized uh, I left him out of my top ten um, is Jakai Polite. You know, he's somebody who I think, you know, if if you recall, you know, my, my rankings, um, I probably put him, you know, you've got Josh Allen, you've got Brian Burns. I probably put him after Brian Burns and, and before, uh, you know, O'Shane Zimenez. I think he's very explosive. The hips you see, um, so explosive, can get into the backfield in a hurry. Um, so Ja'Kai Polite, you know, is someone to definitely be on, on the lookout for there against Georgia. I think Florida has a good chance uh, to take down the Bulldogs. Oklahoma, they'll be at home against Kansas State. It's homecoming for them. Uh, number eight Sooners. Um, they, they, they have an issue with, uh, with the Wildcats. They let them into some, uh, into some games. Um, so they have to make sure that they take care of business there. Penn State at home, the 17th ranked Nittany Lions uh, taking on Iowa. Um, that's going to be a huge showdown. If Iowa wants to have any chance at that flickering hope uh, of possibly making it to the to the playoff, they have to win this game. It's going to be a big, big uh, contest. You're going to Happy Valley taking on uh, the Nittany Lions, James Franklin, uh, you know, Trace McSorley and company. Must win game for them. USC at home against Arizona State. Um, you know, SC is four and three. Um, I honestly, you know, they're down to their their third string quarterback. Uh, JT Daniels hasn't cleared concussion protocol. Matt Fink also out. Jack Sears is going to come in. Um, you know, and unless things change, you know, Clay Helton may have to make some wholesale changes on that on that coaching staff. T. Martin, that offense just is not. You know, it's not generating anything. You know, I think there were some grumblings a season ago um, this year, you know, with, with both him and the offensive line coach, uh, Coach Callaway. I think there are definitely going to be some casualties um, when it's all said and done, along with um, the special teams coach, John, John, uh, or Joe Barry. I think all of those, those guys are probably um, seeing their last, last action at USC. Um, Missouri at home against Kentucky, uh, the, the 12th ranked, um, Wildcats on the road, Benny Snell going up against that Mizzou defense, you know, Drew Locke taking on, uh, Josh Allen and company, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I think that'll be a fun game to watch. Um, let's see, what else do we have? Um, you know, pack 12 after dark, um, you know, the 14th ranked, uh, you know, Cougars, Taking on Stanford, going to the farm, uh, the 24th ranked uh, Stanford Cardinal. Look, they're a much different team when Bryce Love is not on the field. If Bryce Love isn't able to rebound off of that ankle injury, um, then I think Washington State has an easy time there against Stanford. Um, Texas A&M, number 16th ranked Aggies, going to Starkville to take on Mississippi State. Um, you know, Texas A&M should come out victorious, especially if they can make Mississippi State one-dimensional just running the football there with uh, Nick Fitzgerald. Um, NC State, number 22 ranked uh, Wolfpack. You know, they're still licking their wounds after taking on Clemson. They're taking on a Syracuse team. Dino Babers has them playing 6-2 and two on the year. Uh, Tommy DeVito coming in uh, in place of uh, Eric Dungy. I think there's the future, you know, with, with DeVito. Um, you know, Jamal Custis on the outside. 
um, you know, five, almost 600 yards receiving, four touchdowns. Um, you know, if the Wolfpack aren't careful, Syracuse might end up getting the upset win there. Uh, so we continue working through Tennessee going to Columbia, uh, South Carolina, taking on the Gamecocks. That might be an interesting game. Uh, number three, Notre Dame taking on Navy. You know, you're going to have to deal with Ken Niamatololo's, uh, you know, uh, option offense there for for Navy. Um, that's always going to be a problem for uh, for the Irish. Irish struggled against uh, Pittsburgh a week ago. I'm sorry, two weeks ago. Last week was a bye, um, but they struggled a couple of weeks ago against Pitt. You know, in the 19 to 14 win. Um, you know. Texas, number six, Texas going to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, look, they can't throw the football. You know, Taylor Cornelius has been struggling. Um, but if you know Oklahoma State wants to win that game, get the ball to Justice Hill early and often. Let's see. We finalize this. Um, you know, uh, the late game is San Diego State and Nevada. Um, if you're out on the East Coast, it's a 10:30 start. But if you do happen to get a chance, you know that's where you'll get to watch. Like I said, Malik Reed. Um, you get to watch some of the Mountain West play. Um, you know, another game around that same time. Fresno State and Hawaii. Fresno State uh, six and one, three and three and zero oh in, in Mountain West play. Um, you know, Hawaii. Um, you know, pretty good so far this year in their own right. Uh, you know, six six and three, three and one in uh, in Mountain West play, and uh, one of the more dynamic players in all of college football is John Ursua, um, the slot receiver there for the uh, the Warriors. Um, you know, over a thousand uh, receiving yards and fourteen touchdowns on the year. Um, so that is what's going to be on the slate for this weekend, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think there are a lot of really good matchups. You know, I was able to make it through my inside linebacker rankings, so we'll be looking at the secondary uh, next week. We'll start talking about that, and then after that, we'll kind of look at you know some of the players that are are, are off the radar, um, you know, maybe some overrated um, prospects as well, some names to to look out for, some guys that you know might be getting overlooked, um, you know, and, and some guys from some of the smaller schools that you're going to want to keep an eye on as well. So we'll have plenty of material to talk about as we uh, continue through the rest of the season. Look, we got one more week in October and then we're hitting November. Um, and then, you know, after that, we'll be talking about bowl season. It, it's amazing how this college football season has flown by, but hopefully, um, you know, we'll have some fireworks to talk about here um, in, in the last uh, couple of months of the season. I hope you've enjoyed tuning in. Um, you know, if you've tuned in week after week, you know, thank you for, for coming in and, and listening to, to the podcast, you know, spending some time with me, listening to, uh, you know, my madness, everything that's going on in my head. Um, it's a, if it's the first time you've listened to the podcast, um, I hope that you've enjoyed uh, the ride thus far. Um, and I'll continue taking you on this journey all the way up to that NFL draft in uh, in April in Nashville, Tennessee. But until then, I hope everybody has a good rest of the week. Hope you enjoy the weekend of college football. Again, it's October. We've got baseball. We've got basketball. We've got hockey. We've got the NFL. And of course, like I said, we've got college football. Enjoy this time of year. It's one of my favorites. And uh, until next week, everyone, I am am 
out of here. Take care, everyone.